Thanks for calling the Midnight Drive-In. No one is here to take your call. For more info, check out the Midnight Drive-In on Twitter at MNDriveInPod or find us on Facebook. If you want to email us, send it to TheMidnightDriveIn at gmail.com. Remember, no outside food and drink. Anyone caught performing sexual acts at the drive-in will immediately be taken to the office. Unspeakable things will be done to you. Thanks for calling. Drive away your worries and cares at this drive-in theater. That's why, to familiarize you with the movie rating symbols which will be used by this theater, we present the following guide for parents and young people. X, no one under 17 admitted. Bluetooth headphones in a setup like this. I've used them before and they've been fine, but I don't, I don't trust my luck. I finally broke down and bought a pair of like wireless earbuds for when I go for walks and I found that if I put my phone in my pocket they kind of skip sort of like back to the old discman type days of walk going for walks Aww. so I'm like god damn it so they're only useful if I'm sitting still which at which point who cares if you have a wire coming off your head if you're sitting still yeah that's some bullshit now, the only thing they're useful for is that if my kid can find them while I'm on the phone, he can completely screw up my phone call by turning it <laughs> on. <laughs> yeah, that sounds like something he would do. That's pretty fun. So I can't even get mad at him when he does stuff like that. So, <sighs> so, what's going so did on? you guys see that uh, infuriating story about the guy dressed up as Michael Myers in Vegas pulling guns on people and the cops had to shoot him? No. Is I was so mad watching the news report, right? Because none of the fucking witnesses knew a damn thing about horror movies, and it was pissing me off to no end. Uh, and the one guy finally said, like, described him as wearing a Freddie Myers mask, and I'm like, fuck, that's the Jesus guy the cops should have shot. That's the guy that deserved to be shot. Sure, the other guy's threatening people's lives, but this guy's committing crimes against humanity. Right, Freddie Myers. I was losing my mind. I'm like getting mad at my TV, like it's a sporting event. It's really a story about a shooting but is it the same guy from like good morning america or one of those shows that like last time jamie lee curtis was doing the rounds for halloween oh the one where she asked him kills yes i was like dude do people just run up to you with hockey masks on i'm just like oh man just punch him in the face just my god did you actually jump in here Noah? yeah i'm here okay he just doesn't care He's like, no, it's just you guys talking. <laughs> now, it is infuriating because, once again, they'll be like, well, it was obviously inspired by a popular horror movie, so it must be the movie's problem. Yeah, that'll be, I guess that'll be the blame. I don't even know anymore. I remember I had a bunch of old people that when that guy shot at the theater during uh, The Dark Knight. But he was like, well, he had red hair. He's dressed up like the Joker. And I'm just like, the Joker's never had red hair. Shut the fuck up. Well, it's it's so infuriating, too, because you're like, you remember when The Dark Knight came out? And, like, like millions upon millions upon millions of people went ahead and saw it. And then one guy shoots somebody, and they're like, must be the movie's fault. You're like, you're right. It's got nothing to do with the fact that all of these other people fucking... Ugh. Sorry, I just get frustrated with the whole argument. 
I, to the point where I have trouble speaking about it. I'm like, <laughs> it's so <laughs> dumb. It's so dumb to argue that somehow the movie is responsible for that. Well, we're to the point now that we just have mass shootings in uh, the United States. They don't even really get news coverage anymore. And um, yeah, I know. They don't even bother with the. Uh, it must be movies and video games fault anymore. They just don't even talk about it. Just move past that. Yeah. Yeah. I saw I saw a comedian do a bit about how he like comes to Canada and he's like, "It's adorable up here. You guys report about every murder on the news like it matters." <laughs> it's, like, it's true. I don't even know when people in my own city get murdered. Don't even care. It's a huge deal around here if somebody gets murdered. It's a smaller town too, but it's... yeah. But I can legitimately drive to somebody who just got murdered in Peoria. I could drive to their house and probably. Five to ten minutes. Yeah. And I'm just like, oh, yeah, I don't know. Don't care. But you down in Springfield now. Isn't is like a war zone down there, according to all the political ads that I see? Uh, I don't know. I, I hear gunshots occasionally. <laughs> Maybe like a few times a year. From uh, from everything I'm seeing, according to these political ads, the whole state's just war zone now. And... Uh, one guy apparently wants to defund the police to make it even worse. So that does seem like a bad plan when you put it that way. Yeah. I'm sure the guy stood up at the podium and was like, um, I'm going to make, I want to make this situation worse. So I vote that we defund the police. That's probably what he said. Yeah. Yeah. You guys know that here, if I want to hear gunshots, like I leave town because there's way more likely to be a gunshot out like in the wilderness somewhere. Yeah. <laughs> <in the city. laughs> It just makes sense. Yeah, I think somebody keeps telling me, oh, that's a gunshot. And I'm like, I don't think that's a gunshot. I think that's fireworks. I think we just have douchebags that shoot off fireworks all the time. Could be both. You don't know. Could be a guy shooting off fireworks and then his neighbor's pissed about it and shooting at him. (laughs) You don't know. (laughs) Yeah, there's a bunch of fireworks, then one firework, and then it all stopped. I don't know what happened. What what is a bullet (laughs) if not a very hard firework? I mean, to some extent, that's accurate. Um, I don't know. Do we have a segue into the, this week's movies? <laughs> you know, you know what didn't have fireworks in it at all is the movies for this week. <laughs> say, spe- speaking of blood sucking politicians, uh, sure. All right. Uh, Noah, do you want to tell us about Dracula? Yeah, it's fucking Dracula. God damn it. <laughs> <laughs> It's the problem with this theme month. They're all the same movie. Well, to be fair, it's quite different because this one actually at least tries to retell the story from the book as opposed to all the other versions that did not. That's that's true. Although it adds a bunch of stuff that's not in the book for some reason. Well, because they had to eroticize it up a little bit. Yeah. Uh, basically, the big difference with this one is it's got a fucking fat cast just stuffed with all the faces. Um, and then they made the fucking God awful goddamn decision of putting fucking Keanu Reeves as Jonathan Harker and fucking Winona Ryder as Mina. And they suck the fucking life out of what otherwise is a really well-made movie. <laughs> um, I'm not going to lie. Uh, I got to put, I got to push back on this. I, cause uh, by reputation, everybody thinks that, especially Keanu Reeves, is terrible in this movie. 
I just don't think he is. Even Keanu Reeves thinks Keanu Reeves is terrible in this movie. Keanu Reeves is just too nice to correct anybody about anything. But he, <laughs> listen, he, I think that if you didn't know who he was, if, if he was a no-name actor in this role, and he gave this same performance, you'd be like, All right, you'd I'd have be nothing wondering to say about why it. that British guy has a California accent. <laughs> He's, his accent slips a couple times. There's no denying that. I'm not arguing it's a great performance. I'm saying it's we need if you didn't know who that actor was, you wouldn't. You would never bring it up. I think he would be a forgettable performance. He'd be buried by all the other performances. It's only because you recognize his face that you even think about it. That's my no, The problem is he's doing like, I don't know. He's doing whatever the fuck he did in like point break, but, <laughs> but worse in nah, a period he's... movie. I don't I have high. Here's the thing. I have high expectations when you make a period movie, because everyone knows what those people look and sound like. So fucking do that. Yeah, I don't know. I, I, again, I, my take on it is that his accent is fine in the first bit of the movie. When the scenes get more exciting, he definitely has trouble holding the accent a little bit. But I don't think it's, again, it, if it was a no-name actor... I am totally staying at the castle of Dracula. <laughs> That's an exaggeration. Uh, it is, but I love it. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, Winona Ryder's the same way, and I fuck. I don't get me wrong. I love Winona Ryder. She's just I, miscast. It was bad to I, put her in this movie. In I have movie. no. I have no problem with her in this movie. I think she plays it kind of big, but I think the movie demands that. This this whole era of filmmaking, we'll discuss it even more in the next movie, but it's everything is like very kind of theatrical and over the top, and her performance is that, but I think it's fine. Uh, I think Keanu's at the bottom for me. Like, yeah, he's he's not doing a super great job compared to everybody else. Sure. She's not as bad. Um I think I was trying to think of what sort of the problem is. And I feel like she's like Winona Ryder is just too modern of a woman general. Like every role you see her in like present day stuff you know, from the eighties and stuff. She's playing someone of, of that moment. She's perfect. She's fine. She's very like, up to the moment. But yeah, when she tries to play someone a lot more from the past, like in this, I feel like it just doesn't match up very well. I mean, plus the other problem is you've got fucking Gary Oldman and Anthony Hopkins fucking acting yeah. circles around these motherfuckers yeah. and making them look yeah. terrible. It is a problem. Oh, I, 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 there's no denying that there's a huge gap in the quality of the performances from the but, two leads to everybody else. But you'd think so. So here's the thing, though. Carrie U.S., right? <laughs> Who doesn't necessarily put in a great performance in everything he's in. Does great in this movie. There's, he's fine. Yeah, Everyone fine. else is fine. It's just Keanu Reeves and Wynota Ryan. Yeah, I don't know. I, I think the problem is that there's a lot of big performances going on. And when you recognize faces, you start to have your associations with those faces. And you have other ideas of who those people are. And 
definitely it's true that neither of those two actors can bury themselves in the role the way Hopkins and um, Gary Oldman can in order to, you know, make you forget who else they are. Well, not and not everyone hires a singing coach to lower their voice an octave for an entire movie just because they want that Gary Oldman's a fucking psychopath. <laughs> you know, do you know how good Gary Oldman is in this movie? Let's move on from like the bad performances and talk about the great performances. Oh. When I was younger and I first saw this movie, keep in mind it's like 1992. I don't there's no internet. I don't know who people are. You know what I mean? I legitimately thought that different actors played Dracula in different eras. <laughs> and it was only like upon rewatching it years later that I'm like, oh shit, no, that's just Gary Oldman is just that fucking good. So you he thought it was like an actual, he, an actual old guy and then a younger guy played him later? No, I, 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 to some extent, I thought there was more than one actor in those parts. Yeah. I don't remember exactly what I thought because it was 1992, but I, I don't, I didn't picture them as being the same guy and it was only years later when I watched it and was able to like, because I knew who Gary Oldman was at that point and you can kind of see him through the makeup if you're looking for it. But he looks very different. He speaks differently. He his mannerisms are very like his, the old version of him. He very much acts like a decrepit old man, and you know a little bit again over the top, big and stagey version of it. But it's just yeah. it, it's phenomenal what that fucking guy can do. <laughs> it's it's so fascinating to me. What I just kinda wish hot, I just wish occasionally in an interview he wouldn't say something that makes me go God. Damn it, Gary Oldman, shut the fuck up. You guys got to stop watching interviews. You guys can't. You guys you guys aren't qualified to watch interviews. You're incapable of separating it. Why am I getting into this? Because you do it too, just not with Gary Oldman necessarily. He's, not, he's not the worst one, just every once in a while. Yes. But yeah, like he, he's no Randy Quaid, but okay, <laughs> no, <right>. no Randy <laughs> Quaid. <laughs> but right, Randy well. Quaid does the opposite. Randy Quaid goes so far off the deep end, then you just forgive him because he's clearly unstable. <laughs> All right, no, no he's <laughs> he's great. He's Gary Oldman's amazing. It's it's like him and Hopkins are just playing. It's kind of like they're playing off of each other, even though they're not really on screen that much together because you've got Gary Oldman doing this like really intense performance. And then you've got Hopkins just fucking chewing up the scenery, just having a blast. He's fucking dancing around on screen and screaming and yelling and singing at times. And you're like, Oh, he looks like he's having so much fun. And I I I watched a few minutes. I was going to say, I'd really like to see, I don't know if they've ever done it, but a director's cut of this movie, because apparently they cut quite a bit out. Yeah. And I would like to know what that other stuff is. I'm surprised they haven't put out like a cut or whatever. Yeah. Maybe it's, a lot of it might be unfinished, because this is a very special effects heavy movie. True. So, I don't know, but, I mean, yeah. But it's it's so weird, because like, I happened to catch a few minutes of Silence of the Lambs yesterday. And having just watched this, I'm like, wait a minute. This Silence of the Lambs 91 and this is 92. How can Hopkins be so different in these two movies? Like, they're so close together. I think this one's 92, isn't it? 
Yeah, but it's like they're so close together. Right? How did how did Anthony Hopkins age ten years in a year? Uh, because he just can. Like again, that's what these that's what these great actors can do. And you're right; the other actors we've talked about, none of them are great like that, and they don't aren't able to do it. Right? But he just he it's it's through performance that they're able to convince you of these things. And I mean, a little bit of its makeup and whatever else, right? But. It's it's fascinating what a really good actor can do compared to like everyone else. Um, special effects in this movie are really good too. I every time I've watched it since like like in modern times when I've watched it, I'm always like, oh yeah, right, these hold up. It doesn't make any sense because they're using like CGI in 1992 and it holds up the weird shadows and stuff. I don't know how they're doing that if it's not CGI. It's, but. It's it's not CGI. It's I, weird. I, I read something somewhere that said the only after effect that was used in this entire movie is that blue fire on the road at the beginning and everything else is in lens. Really? So was was it like a mimic a mimic doing the shadows? Yeah, I it's just a fascinating that I was like, really, every single one of these things is practical. How is I don't I don't even understand how some of those are possible. No, neither do I, to be honest. It's like because even with with like the shadows, I could imagine if they filmed it kind of twice and then were able to overlay the film or something to give that appearance. But the idea that it's being done in the moment is fascinating. Well, and that might be. See, I could see them filming it and doing like, you know what I mean? And layering the background and the foreground separately. Yeah, that might be it. That that would make the most sense to me, but I mean, I wasn't on set or anything. Right. The one I've always been confused about is, though, according to that, that green rolling smoke effect is supposedly practical. And I just don't I don't fucking understand how that's a thing. Um, so here, I just found an interview with Coppola on Entertainment Weekly. He's talking to, yeah, they had what they, a guy they called the Shadow Wrangler. He mimed Oldman's actions from watching a video screen. And uh, Coppola said, since the shadow may have been expected to do more of a precise job, but the effect of the imperfections added the surreal and warping chill factor to the character. So yeah, they literally just had someone miming Gary Oldman and then went off, off of it supposed to that's that's fascinating to me i do you do you can he's correct when he points out that it's not precise and that there are moments where it's kind of off a little bit and i also agree with his comment that it it makes it that much creepier (laughs) i actually prefer it yeah i read an interview with coppola where he said his idea for all of it is the idea that the laws of physics don't work right whenever dracula is around because he like is distorting the world which is why all the weird yeah. things happen. The shadows being off the, uh, you know, rats running across the ceiling, that kind of stuff. Yeah, that makes sense. And I, this film definitely more than any of the other versions we've talked about this month really plays up that idea that Dracula is this power that wherever he goes, everything is. It's not just, you know, that he he can turn into an animal or that he can bite somebody. It's just everything around him is just darker and more evil and it's like you know the idea that 
as silly as it is, like there's there's a scene in this movie where a wolf escapes from the zoo as soon as Dracula gets to London. It's like, well, yeah, because all of these sort of darker creatures, the wolves and the bats and the rats and everything are all just inherently agitated by his presence, even though he hasn't actually physically gone to the zoo and done anything, you know? It's uh, that that feeling of sort of dread. They really capture that really well in this movie. Oh, yeah, I forgot to throw in Tom Waits as Renfield, which is real fucking good. <sighs> he's so good. He's just... And again, he's almost over the top, but they seem to just be able to restrain him enough where it feels like, oh, yeah, this is just a crazy guy. It's perfect. I'm trying to remember, there were some uh, almost castings for this movie that every time I hear him, I'm like, you know what? That still would have been a real fucking good movie. <laughs> well, I, things like Liam Neeson almost played um, Anthony Hopkins's role. He was almost Helsing. Sure. Yeah, that would work. And I'm trying but to like, think of who was going to be somebody else. Role famous was going to be Jonathan Harker. And uh, who was it? Because it was somebody that I was like, yeah, that's because that makes fucking sense. And then apparently Coppola was like, no, I need a young, sexy dude so we can get the female audience in. Bring, bring me point break. I would have probably just shifted Carrie always into that role and replaced him in the smaller role. Yeah. Or up to me, but it turns sense. out it's not up to me. So 1992, it wasn't up to you. No, it's still not. Even to, to even to this day, Francis Ford Coppola never <laughs> asks me any questions about casting. I can't believe it. So you know how good this movie is, though. There are a number of moments in it that just don't make a huck of a lot of sense, and I don't care because the movie's just good enough. And that's <laughs> fascinating. I found myself doing that, being like, I want to nitpick this. I'm gonna be like, why is he like in that one scene in the graveyard? He looks more like a werewolf than a vampire. Why does he look? like a different monster in every scene. And it started to occur to me that why doesn't he look the same in every scene? And then I'm like, no, because they all look awesome. So I'm not going to get upset about this. I always see that scene referred to as the ravaging scene. Sure. And there's something about referring to that that makes it so much grosser. Mm -hmm. Like, please, please don't use the word ravaging when you have a hairy wolf man (laughs) humping that poor girl. It's it's such a weird moment because like especially maybe maybe it's because I was like 13 the first time I saw this, but it's like gross and disturbing and also kind of hot. And it, there seems to be a number of moments like that in this movie. And you're just like they they walk that line really perfectly where it's like most movies either overemphasize the, the romanticism and the sexuality of the vampires or they just get rid of it altogether. This is like maybe the best example of a movie that is like, look, they can be these like seductive creatures who are also just monstrous and vicious. I don't know that anyone else has ever been able to pull it off quite as good as they do in this movie. Yeah. Pretty much. Um, scene where Jonathan Harker gets overtaken with all the vampire brides. Mm-hmm. I'm like 12. I'm like, this is the hottest scene ever. <laughs> Nothing yep. will ever beat this scene. <laughs> again like we grew up in the pre-internet era it was this or go walk around the woods and hope to find porn so (laughs) (laughs) then she bites his dick yep that part that's but that's all part of it like it's like it's so erotic and then you're like oh my god that's the worst thing that could possibly happen to a human (laughs) being and it's like oh god like very upsetting it's even like 
the way they play it off though, like later in the movie when Van Helsing is trying to determine what's going on and he's met up with the, with the rest everybody else. And he just casually says to Jonathan Harker, like something like during your infidelity with these brides, like, did you ever drink their blood? <laughs> it's just how he casually drops in. Like, yeah, don't forget you voluntarily did that. Like, you know what I mean? Like you, <laughs> you weren't, it's not like you're being fully mind controlled the way that sometimes vampires are portrayed. It's not that you're being, you're not, it's not entirely voluntary either. It's sort of this weird, like you're just being seduced into doing these things and then it's backfiring on you every time. And that's sort of the same way it's played up with Lucy in that scene in the, like in the graveyard and the whole, the whole storyline surrounding her. It's all sort of played up that way. Of like she kind of wants it, but it's not entirely voluntary. And I don't know. I'm starting to sound like Justin Long's, Long's character from uh, that movie that we talked about last week. <laughs> Steve Buscemi was here. the first choice to play Renfield. Oh, I could see that. Yeah, that'd be pretty good. Especially if you went yeah. for like the Dwight Fry like version from the Lugosi one. Mm. Yeah, yeah. I think he'd play it a little more subtle. But he'd also so. be more insane. Steve, that's the thing with Steve Buscemi is even when he's subtle, he still comes across as insane. So it's fine. <laughs> yeah. Any other this one's, parts this, of this movie? This one's hard to talk about because besides my my qualms with the two actors, it's it's such a good movie. There's nothing that like uh, I, I actually think that this movie is responsible for the death of the vampire genre. Because his Gary Oldman's portrayal of Dracula is so fucking good that it kind of fucked it up forever. Yeah, it's how is somebody else supposed to just play Dracula two years later? You know, <clears throat> after this, I, I don't see how anyone could. I, if I was an actor and they came to me and were like in the nineties and were like, "You want to play Dracula?" I'd be like, "No, call Gary Oldman. He does that now." Like. <laughs> Uh, thing how is, would thing you follow is, it? Thing is, he'll, he's so good, he'll play it a completely different way than he did before, and you won't. I know. <laughs> you, won't, you won't even know. Charlie Sheen auditioned for Jonathan Harker. Oh, that would have been weird. Yeah, I'm glad that. Well, happened. you know what though? It's it's '90s Charlie Sheen, so he was still like a professional. <laughs> he probably would have done okay. Like, he would have been have, fine. Can, but can I, I have the same haircut as I had Major League? Wow, dang. It would have been weird seeing Jonathan Harker hopped up on cocaine the whole time. <laughs> been more period accurate, though. <laughs> that's true. <laughs> I like how you're like, that's weird. It was fine when Van Helsing was clearly on cocaine the whole movie, but <laughs> Jonathan Harker, that would be weird. His yeah. delivery, you know, they took a lot of lines straight out of the book and stuff. And occasionally, Anthony Hopkins is delivering these lines that are just crazy and he's kind of delivering them in a crazy way. And you're like, this guy's the hero. <laughs> what the fuck <laughs> is going on right now? Well, Where he's it, like, yeah, she is the whore of Satan. He is, see, that is the foe I have <laughs> sought my entire life. I, I think that that's it on purpose, though, because it's Dracula is portrayed as Yes, he's this terrible, evil monster, but he's also a sympathetic character, right? Like he he takes on the mantle of Dracula and becomes this vampire 
because he's super fucking pissed that his wife got killed. And now like hundreds of years later, he thinks he can find love again and it ends up getting him killed. And, you know, that final death scene, like after they've slit his throat and she like carries him back into the castle so he can die in his own home. It's genuinely sad. And I think that in a lot of cases, um, what they've done is they've, they've kind of they've upped this sympathy level for Dracula and also made Van Helsing that much more like deplorable and hard to be around so that it's hard to decide who the good guy and the bad guy is at different times in this movie. Cause it's hard to root against Gary Oldman's character, even though he's a monster and he's killing people and his mere presence causes rats to run across ceilings. Yeah. Yeah. Once again, the, the problem is his character is the most of all the things. So yeah. his Dracula is the most sympathetic Dracula, but he's also the most savage Dracula. And he's also the most yeah. disgusting Dracula. And he's also the most sexual Dracula. <laughs> it's, it's super weird. Like how they were able to pull it all off. And it's like, cause we're coming off like it, with this month of like seeing the most iconic Draculas and it's hard to argue that anybody's better than Gary Oldman. Like it's none of the other actors that portrayed Dracula could portray him in all of these different ways in the same movie. And granted he had the advantage of this film being made in the nineties and being made with a big budget. So you can have him change his appearance and have him and and being a fucking wizard. Yeah. (laughs) But you have him portrayed over a period of time too. So he's able to change and play it differently. But my God, it's such a good performance. I feel like we every time we try to talk about something else, we accidentally come back to that. How about that scene when the Lucy vampire spits in fucking Helsing's face? Pretty great. Yep. So great. Yeah, that the whole thing where they like they hunt her back down and kill her off. That is that whole scene is fantastic when the blood sprays everywhere. Oh. The fact that they put her in all white, I have no idea if that's period accurate to how they buried people back then, but it it's perfect to have for this evil oh, creature. I don't think they put him in a big crazy headpiece. You don't think so? They didn't paint their face white, put him in a big crazy headpiece and stick him in a coffin? <laughs> uh, I'm not sure. So, British people are weird. But it's um it's really it's it's it something about the fact that she was this like relatively innocent young character who was made into this beast. And then as they go in to slay the beast, they have to portray her in this like sweet, innocent way again, even though she's about to eat a kid when they walk in. Yeah. But that kid had it coming. Well, got to learn the consequences of sneaking out after bedtime. So sure. That's a Lando point and be like, see, see, <laughs> see what happens. I was I was going to say, I think this is also the movie that started the trend of making either Lucy or Mina a complete hair in every single movie for some reason. <laughs> I know. I feel like there was examples of that before. Next year, when we do this month again, we'll <laughs> have to seek some out on the opposite uh, the other way this time. Since she, these are all spaced out 20 years. Apart. Oh, we just have to go with the interim years next month. Next yeah. year, so we'll do the forties, the sixties. God, God, I'm not sure what Dracula vampire, in the sixties was like. Va- vampire in Brooklyn, mm. Dracula dead and loving it. Listen, 
I'm in charge of programming this month. We won't be doing this. Um, anyways, I do think that having the two girls, like as much as it's like, yeah, okay, it's a little bit disrespectful to the female characters that you have the one, the sweet, innocent one. And the other one is like the dirty, dirty whore. Um, it does help it, it with care with so many characters in this movie, it helps to be able to easily identify who's who. And with the two girls being such kind of opposites, it does differentiate them in a way that I think some of the male characters are not differentiated. Like, all the different male suitors of Lucy are like, it's like, well, he's the one with the knife. That's the guy who's a doctor. Like it's, they don't really have as much character development to them. So it's good shorthand, even if it is disrespectful to women, which I guess is a trade off you have to make sometimes. Mm-hmm. Plus by having the brunette be the like innocent one and the redhead be the hoary one. It kind of reminded me of Gilligan's Island. So <laughs> that's important. <laughs> I don't believe it's a coincidence. I just don't know which one influenced which. If this influenced Gilligan's Island? <laughs> well, I, I can't remember if the characters in the book are specifically described as having red hair and black hair. Oh. I just read the trivia that they dyed Lucy's hair red just to make her look different than Winona Ryder's. Okay. They, might, they might look too much alike. I can see that. There's like a lot going on in this movie, and there's definitely times where it's hard to figure out who's who. And it's it's easier. That's one of the other advantages to having known actors in these roles is that it's easy to track who's important. Well, anything else, I guess? The movie's so good, we just don't know. Yeah, we're not good at talking about good movies. That's not what we're supposed to do on this podcast. <laughs> we're supposed to be bitching about it, but I like it's I don't really have any complaints. It's an it's like an excellent movie. And I keep thinking for some reason, I assume maybe because of the era it came out in that when I go back and rewatch it, that it's not going to hold up, but it does every time. I don't know why I keep thinking that. Uh, all right. Well, Doug, do you want to run down Mary Shelley's Frankenstein? Um, yeah. I mean, it's, it's doing its best to be a accurate retelling of the Frankenstein story, I guess. Um, you know, guys obsessed with, uh, creating life eventually does abandons it monster wanders off we actually do get the monster like we see him learning how to become a person again in this one which we haven't seen in any of the other versions that we've talked about and he comes back and seeks revenge eventually demands that a mate be made for him all hell breaks loose and all of this is told with the wraparound story that somehow, for some reason, they decide to put the opening scenes of the movie and the ending scenes of the movie in the North Pole, which is a very strange kind of. <laughs> I think it is from the original book, but it's. Yeah, um, I was going to say, I think that's the way the book is. Written, yeah, right. It's the and, it, it's him telling the story. Yeah. And it's him sort of trying to explain to that explorer that maybe don't risk everybody's life just to find your passage to the North Pole. Maybe you should give up on your dreams before it all backfires on you. <laughs> it's basically how I think the book the book is set up. And the movie does portray it that way, but it's like it's just it's weird. It's the I think this is like the only version I've seen that really brings that in. And when you put it on camera you're like, oh that's that's awfully far from where they started. <laughs> I think they're uh, in Canada now. I mean you just go up, right? You well if they're the making it if they're making it to the actual North Pole, they'd have to make it across an ocean. 
No, if you just go up, because they start off in Switzerland. So if you just go up, eventually you'll make it. Can you, like, walk that? I think you'd have to. I think there'd be water there at some point. I don't know. Let me pull up a fucking map. Jesus Christ. Make sure it's a map from back then, too, because global warming being what it is, it might have changed by now. So, uh, yeah, you're fucking right. Whatever. I don't care. <laughs> that was a fun little victory for me. Um, anyways, what did you guys think of know. the movie? They're on ships. Okay. Yeah, like it's just weird to picture the monster taking a ship. Um, this is the first time I've seen this. This has always been one. Oh. I ended up okay. missing for some reason. I was never avoiding it. I just was didn't see it when it came out and just never got around to watching it. Um, I really liked it. I thought it was really good. Okay. Um, it is a little over the top theatrical, but it's Kenneth Brown on yes. directing, so you just kind of go with that. So yeah, if you. <laughs> If you didn't know Kenneth Branagh directed this and then you just watched it and at the end somebody's like, who do you think directed that? You'd be like, oh, yeah, no, Kenneth Branagh directed that. <laughs> it's, <laughs> it's, it's very, very much a vanity piece. Yeah. You can tell by how much he has his shirt off and just yeah. swinging around in his lab when experiments are going on. Um, Is it? He's in weirdly good shape for being Kenneth Branagh, too. I don't know why, but I just don't picture him that way. I've seen him in a lot of other movies, and he never seems to be in good shape. Other directors don't let him take his shirt off, I guess. Um, and Kenneth Branagh was fine in the role, like, whatever. Um, yeah, I feel like we do, he's not quite as evil as most Victor Frankensteins that we've seen. Right, but I think he's a little bit more sympathetic. He's a little bit more sympathetic, but he's also he's still an asshole. Yeah, I think he's he's meant to be. You're meant to understand his motivations in this movie more so than the other tellings we've talked about. I find his performance is a little rough at the beginning when he's supposed to be playing the younger version of the character. Uh, Yeah, he just a lot of that is just he doesn't look younger, and it's hard to make an actor look younger. but yeah, once once he turns into the the Frankenstein that's creating bodies and stuff, I think he's good. Um, I thought De Niro's creature, monster, whatever, uh, I thought was really good. Um, mm-hmm. Just before it started, I read that he actually studied like stroke victims of like well, sometimes they want to say something, but it's like physical chore to actually talk. Yeah, so he built that into the role, which I thought was really cool. Yeah, I was going to say in the in the book, the monster is a little more well spoken than that. Yeah, I think he's this version of the character is um, not quite as intellectually sound as the version from the book, but he is still more so more human than any other version we've really talked about. And I, I liked the portrayal. I liked the idea I, even when they get into the discussion of how like some of his memories are coming back and how he like learned how to speak and how to read a lot easier than one would expect because he's there was still that muscle memory in his brain. I liked all that. I thought that was really well done. Um, I liked Helen Bottom Carter, and the whole time that was... <laughs> you know what you know what I forget sometimes. Do you guys remember she was actually a really, really good actress until fucking Tim Burton got a hold of her and turned her into whatever the fuck she is now? Yeah. <laughs> oh, 
And the thing with all of these performances is they're big sort of theatrical performances. They all work because they're the movie is that like it's it's obviously this movie got made two years after the last movie we talked about. And I think it was, hey, look what happens when you do this big budget, big, like in your face version of these classic stories. And they decided to go ahead and do that here. And it it works because it's all working together in that way. Like, yes, the performances are a bit over the top compared to what you would see in a more subtle version. But it's also, you know, guys swinging around and electric eels chewing on bodies in order to bring them back to life and stuff. We're seeing like him covered in like ambiotic fluid and all that shit. And you're just like, okay, like that's what they're doing here. They've made that decision. And if you go with it, it works, I think. Which I was not aware that Coppola was a producer on this. He was actually oh. going to direct it as like a follow-up to his Dracula movie. But then Okay. I'm I'm learning that right now. So <laughs> yeah. yeah, he was gonna direct it and then pulled out feeling like somebody else should probably do it. And see uh, I I feel he should have done it. Well, he said he regretted it because him and Brana apparently got into uh sort of button heads on the set. Yeah. And kind of disowned the movie after it came out. Well, I think because I think this is very much a Kenneth Branagh movie and he's known oh, totally. for his like his Shakespeare adaptations and stuff and yeah. this sort of like very theatrical performances of things. And that that's what he does. And that's fine. And like I say, that's what this movie is. I'd be very curious to see Coppola's darker version of it, especially working with um, De Niro's version of the monster. I think they could have been very interesting. And I was thinking, well, Helen the Bottom Carter was on screen. And Noah had sent us the message that Ronan Ryder was not good in Dracula. Or at least just not as good as he had hoped. I was watching Helena Bonham Carter. I'm like, she would have been a good good Mina. She would have been. I'm just like, why does she never get to... uh, she never get to be Mina in a Dracula movie? (laughs) She never get to be Mina? That's a really specific question to ask. (laughs) Well, she would have she would have eventually, but once again, Tim Burton got a hold of her. And and now the only chance we have that that movie will ever happen will be Tim Burton's Dracula and fucking Johnny Depp will fucking play Dracula and and Bonham Carter will be Mina and it will fucking suck. Well, him and Helen and Bonham Carter aren't together anymore, so I don't think he's going to be casting her in anything. And I think he's off the depth train for right now. Let's see. Hopefully he's off the making the movies train for a little while. Cause Aww. that dude had a strong start to his career and it has done nothing but get worse. He just fell into the trap of trying to make every movie in his weird auteur style. And it's like, don't, don't keep doing that. Why the don't 90s are be- over, man. I don't mind if he does it as long as he makes original Tim Burton movies. Maybe he doesn't need to make Dumbo and Dark Shadows and whatever this Wednesday show that's coming up. No. I want to say the last the last Tim Burton movie that I actually enjoyed was Big Fish. I re- that's probably my might be my favorite of his. I remember enjoying Miss Peregrine's Home for Peculiar Children. I did not see it. I never read the the books, but sort of like old timey Tim Burton X Men, which I thought was kind of fun. I don't know. Why are we on a Tim Burton rant? Anybody know? I don't know. Uh, Helen Bottom Carter, she got us there. Yeah. 
I, yeah, I don't know. I, I really like it. I think I actually came back around on this. So I remembered seeing it whenever it came out and not being thoroughly impressed with it. And now on the rewatch, I'm not exactly sure why I didn't like it. Because it's pretty good. Cool. It's it's fairly faithful to the book. They take a couple pretty big liberties. But what are the bigger liberties? It's been forever since I read the books. So if I remember correctly, the bit the bit about Frankenstein killing his son and framing that other girl, I don't think that happens. And there's something where after he refuses to make the female monster. Somehow he ends up in Ireland and the monster kills Henry and frames Frankenstein for it. So Frankenstein ends up in jail for a while. Okay. I should read that book again. Yeah. And um, then I think, I don't think he rips out the wife's heart either. I think he just chokes her to death. Yeah, but that looked pretty cool when he ripped out her heart, doesn't it? Yeah. It was pretty rad. I will say that, like, having De Niro in that role, like, his ability to switch from, like, being a sympathetic, kind of calm character when he decides to be angry, he really turns it on. And it's like tearing out that heart, like was totally believable. The scenes where he's like threatening Frankenstein and he's like, if you deny me my wedding night, I'll be with you on yours. And you're just like, fuck, he means that. Like he's definitely going to kill somebody on Frankenstein's wedding night. <laughs> like then I, I was going to say one of these times whenever they do it, there so in in the book the rejection frankenstein's rejection of the the monster comes from he designs the monster to be perfectly beautiful but whenever it's reanimated it's hideous and i feel like that has never been expressed because it's always just comes back the way it looks like he's he stitched yeah. it together it's got stitches all over his face and then all of a sudden it comes back and he's like, what have I done? And it's like, that's exactly what you what? I think especially yeah, in this he, movie, it doesn't do anything. There's no reason for him to reject the monster. He just like all of a sudden it starts moving and he's like, oh, fuck, it's moving. I fucked up. It's like, what? No, I think I think it's just the idea that like. As soon as the monster comes to life, he realizes that he's literally created life and that it's not his place to do that. And I think he, I think it's just an immediate regret. It's like, you know, like anything else you do in life. And as soon as you're done it, you're like, oh shit, like I probably shouldn't have, like, that wasn't, that's not what I was supposed to be doing. And that's the idea. Whether it's portrayed particularly well in this film is, I don't know how, like, I don't know how easily it comes across. It's more just the idea I get. Right. Well, yeah, the other, in the, in the book, the other thing is, so, he, they changed that storyline for why he rejects making the female monster. And in the book, if I remember right, it's got something to do with he's he's doing it. You know what I mean? He's preparing for it. And then he starts to think, what if this female monster rejects the monster? You know, there's no guarantee that she would react Right. positively you know a la bride of frankenstein that kind of thing and then he's afraid that that'll cause you know then you'll have two upset monsters and then what do we do 
And then if I remember right, what he finally settles on is, well, what's even worse is that they like each other and they breed and they create this race of super beings that will then be a problem for humanity for the rest of time. Which was uh, Victor's goal last movie. Yeah, 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 which is Udo's. In which... Who Udo. Who did... Who'd have thunk after re-researching that book to refresh my brain on it that I was like, okay, well, the Udo one's disgusting, but it's not as far off as I thought. No, it's not. And all the incest and stuff was there all the time. So, yeah, <laughs> the incest was uh, with you all along. <laughs> the the line in this movie that just it sent my skin crawling when she's like, she looks him in the eyes and she's like, brother and sister, no more. And he looks back and he goes, and now we're husband and wife. And it's like, oh, my God, don't Blech. like you're like about to have sex. And you bring up the fact that technically you're siblings. <laughs> like, well, not technically. Technically, well, they're, they're, technically they're not. But they're, well, gro- they're growing up and thinking of someone as your sister well, the whole time is yeah. gross. Well, but it's his cousin. His blood, his, cousin, his blood cousin, whose it's, parents it's who straight, it's was adopted by his parents. Yeah, yeah. it's not. It's, well, it's a, full on in, incest, and it's that's not okay. Book, that's in the book. Yeah, yeah. Was did yeah, they say that. that here? Yeah. Did they? Yeah. Oh. I think so. It's like, if you want him to marry the girl that moved into his house, just. Even if you just had her okay, make her not a cousin and <laughs> make her like a, a non-blood relative and have her move in like when they're teenagers or something so they don't grow up together, because that's what makes it so weird. Like the cousin thing and the growing up in the same house together thing. It's just between the two. It's upsetting. If, uh, if they change it around and, you know, that uh, maid's daughter that she's constantly being a bitch to. Yeah have the maid die and they're like oh we're gonna take her in as one of our own better raises all sorts of consent issues if she's part of the help though Eh. anyways we might be concentrating too much on the incest (laughs) i am curious though like (laughs) the thing about it is like what i keep wondering is like when mary shelley wrote that into the book was she trying to gross out a crowd or was that just acceptable behavior at the time Probably exactly. Okay, so it's especially if it's normal cousins. to marry, normal to marry your cousin who you grew up in the same house as. Okay. Well, ex- oh, especially the aristocracy, the uh, the rich families were doing a whole lot of cousin oh. fucking. Keep it yeah. keep it all in the family that way. Don't have any filthy outsiders coming in to to help dilute that bloodline. It's fucking weird incest based eugenics that I don't want to be a part of. I'm glad we outgrew that. Ugh. Anyways. Oh. <laughs> that monster was pretty cool, though. <laughs> he does look pretty rad. I mean, I, f- I feel like those special effects hold up really well. The ma- Yeah, because it's just makeup, right? So it yeah. it's really well done. I like the like that long black coat that he wears suits him, I think. It makes sense that he would find something like that in the era and just wear it for the rest of his life i really liked all the stuff with the monster dealing with that family and like the whole thing of them like just he's just living in their shed and 
helping them out and they don't know who's helping them and they're all just happy about it. And then he befri- when he befriends the old man and then you get like the that moment where he realizes that he would never be accepted because he's always kind of it's the way it's portrayed is that he knows that they wouldn't accept him. So he chooses not to be seen. But then when that kind of gets confirmed for him, we get that scene of him like just sobbing in the woods and you're like, yeah, that's like thinking you'll never fit in and then finding out that you're right. It's just fucking horrible. I felt really bad for him in that moment. And the dad is also not on board with it. Like, I don't know. Somebody did this. It's the, what was it? The divine angel or something of the woods or what yeah. they call it? Spirit. And the dad's like, oh no, nothing's for free in this life. <laughs> it's such a like dad thing, actually. It's like, no, no, no. We're not. Let's look this gift horse firmly in the mouth and find out what's going to happen next. Cause That's I'm going to let us deal with this shit. You said some goddamn bread out for that fucking wood spirit. Cause we ain't dealing with that shit. <laughs> it's like you in the fine print. As soon as he eats that bread, that means we're even, you can't come back asking for anything later. There's <laughs> no follow up invoices. Um, I don't know. I have anything. Yeah. It sucks when the movies are too good. We don't know what to talk yeah. about. This movie is weird for me because when it first came out, I loved it. Mostly because it's the closest thing to a proper telling of the Frankenstein story that we really had. And then over the years, I kind of like distanced from it, like where I like didn't want to watch it anymore because it's so like big and theatrical. And I kind of like got annoyed by that. And just like the inherent vanity of the overall project was just kind of like too much but now watching it again having not seen it in a while i'm like i'm on board with all that like i'm just going into it knowing what to expect and understanding that that's the decision they made to make the film like a giant like like a a shakespeare adaptation knowing who kenneth Branagh is and stuff and just being like okay that's what they're doing let's embrace it and it it really holds up well on that level. And I think it kind of makes it timeless to a certain extent too, because that type of filmmaking has always existed and will always exist. Right. And I feel like it's one of those like, Oh, I want a pretty close at least adaptation of the actual story. This is here. And it's, I mean, it's a lot different. Arloff version. and Yeah. Well, it's interesting too, though, because when we talked about the Karloff version and we talked about, the uh, the hammer version of the story and how the Karloff version, the monster is the main character and it is very much his story. And every, there's very little time in the movie before the monster and the whole thing is about him. And then the hammer version of the story, it's all about Frankenstein's descent into madness. Monster shows up with 20 minutes left to go in the movie. It's not really about the monster. This version finally does what Frankenstein should do, which is make them both main characters. It's very much the, I think the monster shows up at like the 48 minute mark or something. I, I kept track. And it's like 48 minutes out of just over two hours. So we, we have that time dedicated to getting to know the characters to watching Frankenstein go kind of go down that rabbit hole deeper and deeper and deeper until he finally creates life. And then it becomes kind of the monster's movie and we follow him on his journey and so you have these two opposing main characters, much like we had with Van Helsing and Dracula in the last movie. And depending on where you are in the movie, you could interpret either one of them as the hero or the villain or 
some area of both. And that, that gray area is what makes it interesting, right? Thanks for calling the Midnight Drive-In. No one is here to take your call. For more info, check out the Midnight Drive-In on Twitter at Pod, or find us on Facebook. If you want to email us, send it to themidnightdrivein at gmail.com. Remember, no outside food and drink. Anyone caught performing sexual acts at the drive-in will immediately be taken to the office. Unspeakable things will be done to you. Thanks for calling. What has everybody watched since last week? Uh, I finished Dahmer. Yeah, that's a good. Yeah. It's all right. Well, I don't know. So these these serial killer shows, I'm starting to get more and more leery of them over time because I don't I don't like the idea that they're becoming romanticized. But I I don't know. I think Dahmer does a pretty good job of like it tells the story the way it happened as far as everyone knows, which is a little more interesting where it's kind of left up to you at the end of. Was Dahmer just this mentally ill dude who, like, through bad circumstances, ended up in the position where he could indulge in all of his bad impulses? And then his neighbor that was ignored the whole time in the police's complete failure to do anything. And oh, yeah, the police were horrible. And yeah, and then the fact that I, I, I didn't know a few of the bits where, so you know, the two cops that uh brought the victim back to him which is the big crazy part of the Dahmer story they were after everything came to light they were suspended from the force but then the union fought for them and didn't just bring them back and give them their jobs back they got they won cop of the year awards for for mm-hmm. fighting the corrupt politicians who were trying to hold them down. And it's like you delivered a victim, an underaged boy, back to the predator that was killing him. Like, fuck. Yeah, it, I mean, I think the, the show does a good job of portraying that police corruption and how even the people who wanted to do something were just powerless to do anything about it. Uh, I also think it did a really good job of just laying out, look, there isn't one cause for Jeffrey Dahmer. There's these different ideas of what may have caused it. And then you need the system to fail as well as all those other things to go wrong. And nobody really knows what happened, which is accurate, I think. Yeah, the whole the whole thing's pretty interesting. I think it's easier to talk about Jeffrey Dahmer, too, because at the end he just gets like beaten to death and it makes it. I don't know. There's something about that, the, the finality of it, where you're just like, OK, we don't have to we don't necessarily have to worry about whether he's a good guy or a bad guy. He's gone now. Like we can have these sort of discussion about the causes and all that without getting into the idea that there's still a guy there sitting in a jail cell somewhere. Yeah, but I will argue that it uh, disrupts the uh, storied timeline of Demolition Man. And <laughs> I, would r- I would rather not. Bad not explain that for because he said uh, Dahmer's in here. Yeah, when uh, uh, when Wesley Snipes wakes up in the future, um, he's like uh, going through the list of people in, in the whatever the fuck okay. it is, frozen. He's like, oh, Jeffrey Dahmer's in here. We got to get him out. And in in real world, 
died before the uh, year that that was sent. Yeah. yeah, and I don't that know. It's frustrating. I don't know if it's fully <laughs> accurate, but they do point out in the show that apparently, uh, you know, Dahmer after getting on some psych meds and stuff kind of started converting to religion in prison, like many of these people do. But the day he was baptized, apparently there was an eclipse and it was the day that John Wayne Casey was executed. Like it all happened on the same day. I was like, I was like, that is just weird fucking timing. Yeah. I I assume that's true. I don't know for a hundred percent that it is, but it's the way it's portrayed in the show, and I just assumed it was true. And it's the show seems something... to be making an effort to be accurate. So yeah, I don't know. It seems like something you wouldn't make up because it's too easy to check. But then again, I didn't check it, so it can't be that easy to check. I assume if it wasn't accurate, somebody would have wrote an article about it, and I would learn that by seeing the headline on Facebook. Apparently, one of the victims' uh, sister, or whatever's, uh, not very happy with the show. No, I it's a tough thing because I genuinely feel bad for these people when this these shows get made. Obviously, like when you get when you're the victim in a situation like this, which every member of the families of the people who are actually killed are also victims. It's like it's not you, you probably don't want to hear about it again, but it's also a major part of our like recent history that is a story that people are going to want to tell. And I, I, I feel bad for the people when this comes out who are bothered by it for whatever reason. And I, I just don't know what the solution there is. Cause you can't not tell true stories just because there are people still alive who have suffered from it. I have to imagine the neighbor of, of all the people is the one who, feels vindicated by this show because they really go into detail about how yeah, how traumatizing tried. and it fucked up her whole life you know what i mean she tried to she tried yeah. to stop it all they didn't listen to her when they finally caught him she got like evicted from her fucking house when she finally yeah. got her house back she couldn't sleep because everyone was having nightmares because the fucking cannibal dude lived there and then when they all finally got their shit back together some fucking developer came in, bought the place and evicted them all again. (laughs) Yeah. And then all she fought for at the end was for them to put a fucking memorial marker down that a bunch of people were killed there and it's terrible and couldn't even fucking get that done. Yeah. That's the one thing like this, uh, the show I think did really, really well was portray that there's a lot more victims in something like this than just the people who were killed. Obviously, they're like the primary victims or whatever term you want to use. And, but there's all of these surrounding people who are suffering as a result of this guy just in different ways. And it's like, it's horrific, you know, like that, that woman, like I, I had heard that there's like, you know, somebody who had called the cops on him. (laughs) That's what I knew about it. Going into the story, seeing it portrayed this way, which I have read a couple things and say, it's pretty accurate to like the facts. And it's like, can you imagine like, she has to go on and live the rest of her life after that. Well, there's actually there's that one point in the show where they said this is the actual call that was made. And it's her going, that kid is clearly 12 years old. Please go check on him. And the cop's going, it's fine. Yeah. No, he's clearly a child. No, it's fine. We check. He's just he's just gay. <laughs> you know. 
Oh, and it's like, I mean, it, it's a true part of the story, and I think it's handled real well here is just these cops didn't give a shit about gay people. If you're gay, then you're not worth our time. So who cares? Like, what difference does it make if that's a 14-year-old or a 19-year-old or a 12-year-old? He's sleeping with another man, so his life isn't worth anything. And it's just, it's horrific. But it's also just the truth of what happened. And, like, I think even going back to, like, the 90s, I remember hearing about that and thinking, Jesus Christ, like, you know. So that's, like, Dahmer's a particularly interesting story, too, because it's, like, one of the first of these guys that like I was watching the news when he was like going through his trial and shit. Like, you know? Yeah. Yeah. So it's worth a watch. Watch it. Yeah. yeah I still need to check it out. It's uh, depressing as shit, but it's supposed to be. So I really want to watch it for, uh, Evan Peters. Cause I think I enjoy him in a lot of things. I don't know if you'll use the word enjoy to describe how you're going to feel about it. Yeah, this, no, but. but I'm saying I, I like his acting ability and I would like to is see it, him. Is that the guy playing Dahmer? Yeah. Because holy fuck, man, he, he nails it. He nails him so fucking good that you're like, I don't like it. I I actually <laughs> wish, I actually wish he did a little bit worse of a job. Because man, you see those interviews and stuff with the real guy, and you're like, fuck, he fucking you. <laughs> yeah. There's there's a moment in that show where like there's just this a kind of I- iconic picture of Jeffrey Dahmer after he's been arrested in like the orange jumpsuit. And there's a moment in the show where they're recreating that moment. And I'm just like, it looks just like the picture that I remember in my head. Like when I think of Jeffrey Dahmer, that's the picture I think of. And this looks just like it. And it's like he's standing like him and shit. And it's upsetting. <laughs> it's like, it's like check on people who are this good at pretending to be a serial killer because maybe they're pretending not to be the rest of the time. Far cry from Quicksilver. Yeah, right. <laughs> Slightly more accurate than when uh, Hawkeye played uh, Jeffrey Dahmer in previous movies. Oh, so. that's, that's true. Um, <laughs> remember, remember when he was on WandaVision? His whole appearance was just to set up a boner joke in the last episode. <laughs> yeah. Pretty great. <laughs> Fuck, WandaVision was good. What else did you watch? No. Uh, so, uh, Brian and Wes and Scott and I all met up in uh, Bloomington to go see Monster Squad in the theater. Fuck yeah, we did. God damn it, man! I love I love that normal theater. Yeah. Everything about it. It's like it's it's everything that a movie theater is supposed to be. And I wish they were all like that. So got the old like uh, velvet type seats, which is nice. Right. And, the, you know, it's still got the uh, the ticket window in the front where you buy your ticket. Snacks are actually affordable. Oh, yeah. We bought a shit ton of snacks and it was like 13 bucks. And we're like, holy shit. Yeah. <laughs> theater's clean and beautiful and they have these old antique seats that are just so well maintained and taken care of and yeah yeah it's a uh, student run theater apparently so it used to be I have to make an excuse to come down there just to check out that theater yeah it's it's pretty I'll majestic I'll try to do it on a night when you guys are busy so I don't have to deal with you but yeah. <laughs> Uh, as, oh. as far as the movie goes, I think we can all say it's fucking Monster Squad. Yeah. <laughs> Do you guys have any controversial hot takes on Monster Squad after this many years? I mean, I still I, I feel the same way I feel every time I watch it. It is a 
perfect movie outside of the homophobia and sex crimes. Listen, <laughs> it's from the 80s. There's I know. Some homophobia and sex crimes. You remember yeah, what I just so, said about how yeah, police the, didn't yeah, care about Yeah, but I was getting ready to say, lives? but there was, there's so much. There's, yes. The beginning of that movie, the first 10 minutes of that movie, you're like, fuck. I know. <laughs> I just, because uh, I'm working on something for an article I'm writing, so I just rewatched the making of that's on the DVD that came out. And Fred Decker actually addresses that. He's like, I know it's kind of bad nowadays when we're looking at it. Like, but my goal when I wrote it is to present it, present them as real kids. And unfortunately, that's how kids talked back then. He's not wrong. That is, yeah, yeah they were horrible back. little douchebags. Yeah, for sure. Yeah, like Bomber. So they all know, and they all cringe now. Yeah. Apparently. Apparently, there's uh, rumblings of a remake. Oh, and yeah, that that's pretty much my reaction to it. It's it's yeah. like you can't, don't, please don't, because you're. It's never going to be as good. No, if you're going to do anything legacy sequel, bring back the original cast. Yep. Now their kids are having problems with monsters, and they have to help them. Yep. Well, except they took out all the monsters pretty efficiently. <laughs> Yeah, bringing new monsters, yeah. modern modern day monsters. It's like uh, oh, Freddy, Jason, Fre- Fre- Freddy, Freddy, Jason, uh, Chucky, Leatherface, and the Cenobites <laughs> <laughs> against the Monster I don't, Squad. I don't know if you can casually edit Cenobites into a film with the uh, tone of Monster Squad. <laughs> you can do that. I'd like I to see someone I, try. I guess that's pretty much what Part Three was. So. Um, yeah, Monster yeah. Squad's so good. It is. Shoot him in the nips. Pinhead ain't got no nips. <laughs> <laughs> Kick him in the nards. He just kicks him. He just smiled at me. I don't know what that means. <laughs> he's, he's into it. I don't know what we're supposed to <laughs> so do. So weird. What are we supposed to do? Someone give him a hug. Maybe that'll upset him. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, I think there was a couple of uh, like younger people, by younger people I just mean younger than us, yeah. who had uh, I don't think had seen it before, but they were having a great time watching. Yeah, they, was, they, there was a few pretty big pops throughout the movie. Yeah, yeah. it was Last great. I, I saw it on the big screen as there was a dad there with his kid, and I was like so jealous of that guy at that moment. <laughs> it's like nice. I had a smile on my face the whole time. So good. I forgot how quickly it just ramps up at the end. <laughs> They're like, oh, shit, it's like half an hour to midnight. I'm like, really? And yeah, all the <laughs> shit just goes down over the next half hour. And I'm like, oh, yep. yeah, I guess it was. Yeah. Monster Squad fucking slaps. Sure does. Yeah. Uh, you and Scott are going back to watch Beetlejuice this weekend. Oh, yeah. I really oh, wish. Man, I wish it wasn't such a drive because there's a whole bunch more that I'm like, man. Lost Boys. I want to see that. Yeah, that was on a Thursday. Yeah, it's like in the middle of the fucking week. I'm having that issue right now. I just found like a cinema that in Toronto that plays all these old movies, but all the good ones are on nights when I, you know, can't do a six hour round trip. <laughs> it's like, God damn it. Yeah. Luckily, this one's only 45 minutes away for me. Yeah. It's not too bad. Yeah. Playing uh, Creep Show on Saturday night. I was thinking, I don't know. 
I think I looked at that, but it doesn't start till like 10, right? Till 10. You'll be long asleep by then. Yeah. Yeah, I'd be dead in the water. <laughs> Whereas I'll be like, are you guys going to show another movie after this? Because I'll stick around for that, too. <laughs> All right. Anything else, Noah? No, no, that's it. I haven't had time to do nothing else. What'd you watch, Doug? Let's see. Well, speaking of trips to the cinema, I uh, scored tickets to the Clerks 3 convenience tour, complete with the Q&A with Kevin Smith and all that. Is that the one that had like a four-hour Q&A afterwards? No, no, it was like a relatively short one by Kevin Smith standards. So I heard I heard rumblings that uh, one of the trips on the tour, there was a four hour Q&A afterwards. Yeah. Well, they have somebody off off uh, on the side now holding up cards, letting him know when he goes over time. So maybe that's why. Because <laughs> <laughs> he just yeah, he will talk. We were also like an added show. So it was the uh, it was not even a full sold out house because it was kind of added later when the first one sold out. So I imagine that means he spent a little less effort on it. So, but, uh, so what'd you think? Like we can have a spoiler discussion later if you want, but what are your overall thoughts? Um, so I've said before Kevin Smith makes movies for a Kevin Smith audience. And he, he literally introed this film by saying, this is like the goal of this movie is like, imagine you're on the street and you run into somebody, you know, that you haven't seen in a while and you get talking and you're retelling old stories and you're laughing together and you know, you, you've realized you have a genuine caring for this person, even though you haven't seen them in a while because, and that's basically what I want this movie to be for the audience. And I'm like, yeah, that's what this movie is for the audience. That's my response. I do not think it's necessarily a traditionally well-made film in the sense that if you're not heavily invested in these characters going into it, I don't think, there's much there for you but i am heavily invested in these characters going into it and based on that it it's a very it's it's very funny but a lot of the jokes are kind of inside jokes and it's also very emotional but again only if you give a shit about these people but i do so it's a it's a really really good film if you're one of us and I think it's proof that Kevin Smith has given up on making movies for a wider audience. Yeah. So I loved it, but I knew I was going to love it. That was good. I um, do have some thematic issues with it. Yeah, fair enough. Do we want to do this more spoilery section or do we want to discuss it now? I don't know. It's up to you. It's, it's up to me. Well, You're in I'm charge gonna, around here, though. I mean, Noah hasn't seen it, so... I probably won't see it until it's just sitting in front of me somewhere. Yeah. So I feel like, I feel like a good spoiler section because weirdly it is a movie that can be spoiled. It's, I was surprised how much it can be spoiled. Um, yeah, we'll do one at I, the end of the show. We'll do one at the end of the show. We'll discuss it in more detail. Okay. So after that, I was scrolling through my, um, free profile of Shutter there, and there's a movie on there called "The Rats Are Coming, The Werewolves Are Here." You know I'm gonna fucking watch that, right? Like, come on. <laughs> <laughs> I didn't even check what the plot description was. It's just like, yep. Um, it's one of these weird '70s movies 
where there's not really much of a plot. It's like this guy and his girlfriend go back to her home after like in the sorry, like they're engaged. So they go back to her home to like tell her family and everything. And her family is just super fucking weird. They have like one kid that seems to be insane and they keep him chained up in a room with chickens and the dad is like laying in a bed, can't get up anymore, but there's, he's still doing like medical experiments and shit. And the, everybody's just acting very strange and weird. And like most of the film goes on like that. The one girl like goes off to some weirdo that's like, looks like the Phantom of the Opera and buys a shit ton of rats. That's where the title of the movie comes from. The rats are not a major part of the movie, so they're, I guess that's a spoiler. <laughs> she <laughs> she brings the rats home for like a couple of days and then one bites her, so she returns them. <laughs> I don't even know why they're in the title. <laughs> and then they act like when the, when the reveal comes that it's a family of werewolves, they act like it's a shocking twist. But again, the movie's called The Rats Are Coming, The Werewolves Are Here. So I don't know how you wouldn't have known that that family was werewolves. <laughs> like... Um, yeah, it's so I would literally in the title. It's yeah, it's it's literally the werewolves are here. <laughs> so wherever the movie's taking place, the people there are bound to be werewolves. <laughs> like it's not, they don't even like. It's not even like you. Maybe there's a werewolf coming. Like it's werewolves. But um, yeah, I don't even, I don't even know how to describe the movie. It's not good. It's not bad. It's just fucking weird. The opening scene of the movie is like the weird, like handicapped, monstrous kid escapes and he's like running out in the yard and the neighborhood kids are air quotes picking on him. And by picking on him, I mean knocking him down and lighting him on fire. And then they catch him and they put the fire out and then they bring him back to his room and put him in the cell. They're like, I can't believe he got out of his chains again. And it's like, you're not going to address the fact that that kid was lit on fire. You're not going to maybe, I don't know, there's no authorities you want to call or maybe at least talk to those other kids' parents. <laughs> like, like uh, he got out and yeah, the neighborhood kids were picking on him again. And it's like, no, they lit him on fire. <laughs> but that's just the kind of weird fucking movie it is. So I don't know. Sometimes, sometimes it's a good idea to watch super fucking weird movies. And that's what I did that night. Um... The other one I watched is called Soul Survivor, and it's it's a really interesting movie. Um, basically, 1984 movie. So there's this girl and she's the only survivor of a plane crash. Yep. And shortly, shortly thereafter, she starts like seeing dead people walking around. Um, and so. I don't know. I guess I have to spoil the movie in order to describe it, but it is from 1984. Uh, I've talked about this on the show before and spoiled it. Oh. When I, when I talked about it. So go ahead. Really? I thought I do not recall you talking about it at all. Just so what? Clear. <laughs> I don't, I thought I discovered this. Yeah, I, I own it on Blu-ray. <laughs> all right. Anyways. So right away when she's seeing these dead people, I think the plot of the movie is going to be, are those like ghosts? Or is she going insane? Which is a really interesting plot for a movie, and it's being done really well. And then that fucking reveal comes that, no, those are like actual dead bodies getting up and walking around and following her around. And I'm like, that is 
unexpected and I'm I like it a lot. <laughs> even even though it doesn't entirely make sense because they're not the bodies that from the plane crash. They're just any random body that happens to be near her. But when that reveal comes and then you see like those scenes with like the coroner discussing it and stuff and talking about how their blood is running to their legs. So they have to have been standing up after they were dead and it, nobody can figure out how to make sense of it. I really liked that. And then towards the end where we reveal that this is basically a precursor to final destination. And that since she survived that plane crash, like it's like death trying to make things right by having these people come back and get her. I'm like, that's another twist I didn't see coming. <laughs> so I, I really enjoyed the movie. I don't remember. Did you say you enjoyed it or not, Brian, when you talked about it? Um, I feel like I ended up not enjoying it, but that's because uh, I thought seems like originally I thought it was like the ghost of dead children from the flight. were going to be causing people to die, which I was all about. And then it ended up not being, yeah. It ends up not being that, right? Yeah. yeah. See, I think because I like I went into it like pretty blind because again I'd never heard of it before because only you had told me about it. Um, <laughs> and then you completely forgot about it. <laughs> but I like I, I think because I like I think I think maybe what you were disappointed in because you didn't get what you were expecting. I was like really happy with the fact that there was these twists I didn't see coming. And then of course it's like 1984, so there's all that fun stuff where like she's friends with the neighbor. And then when she goes over, the neighbors just play and strip poker for some reason, like just cause it's the eighties and how else are you going to get boobs in this movie? <laughs> you know? Um, so stuff like that was kind of fun. And the fact that she has to be like a fucking, uh, is she a producer for TV commercials? Cause nobody could have a normal job in eighties movies. She has to be a professional. Yeah. So I like that a lot. This, there's a scene in this too, where, so we see a character. It's it's again for in full spoilers for it, but it's a 1984 movie. We see the character like preparing to kill herself, and then later we see the the main character show up and is like talking to that character. And it takes a couple of minutes before they reveal that that character has gone ahead with the, the suicide and is back because she's you know one of the zombie things. Not zombies, but zombie-ish things. And I'm just like, it's so well done. Like, that, it caught me off guard a little bit when I realized that she was... Like, there's, like, this close-up moment where you see that her wrists have been slit. And I'm like, oh, yeah, right. We watched her getting in, like, the bathtub with razor blades. We knew that she was dead. But the movie does it well enough that you don't quite... You don't feel it in the moment until the reveal comes. So I thought... I don't know. Apparently, we're of different minds on this movie, Brian. But I, I thought it was really well done. It'd be definitely one uh, I'd recommend if you're interested in the subject matter. Well, I'm researching something now because I think we actually are talking about two different movies that have the exact same plot. Really? Which we are now that I'm looking at it. So the one I saw was a movie called The Survivor. It is okay. a plane crash where the only survivor is the pilot and he's completely unharmed and a bunch of weird shit starts happening around town and i thought it was going to be the ghost of dead children killing people for whatever reason but it ends up being something else that's dumb from what i remember okay so very similar almost the exact same movie but different so that's that's strange how similar those two are 
because yeah, I knew I had it on Blu-ray and I'm over here. I'm right next to my shelf. So I was looking. I'm like, Soul Survivor. Why is it not in the SO section? <laughs> I look, start reorganizing. I look further. I'm like, did I get rid of that? I knew I had it. And I looked further and saw it under the Survivor. Survivor just, come of the... And I just looked up yours on IMDb. And yeah. Two, okay. two movies that are very close to each other, but are different enough, I guess. Huh. Now I don't feel bad about not listening. I don't remember you talking about the Survivor either, but it's yeah, not important. This one's from 1981, and it's actually an Australian movie. Okay. Well, there we go. All right. So I recommend you watch Soul Survivor, even though I've spoiled it. I think you'll still enjoy it. Uh, maybe I will, because I stopped listening, because I was looking to see if it was on my show. <laughs> that's, so. Well, that's good. Don't go back and listen to the episode until after you watch it. I never do. It's, I, I think you'll like it. I think most people would like it. If you're into like 80s horror movies, not sure if the kind of people who are listening to this podcast would enjoy 80s horror films or not, but no, hard to say. <laughs> Probably not. So that was, I just watched the three movies this week. Did we want to get into it? I watched season finale of She-Hulk. Oh no, we're not going to get into that. All right. <laughs> three of us are, are no, nowhere close on <laughs> season finale of shield all right i will say i greatly enjoyed it you two did not end of review yeah i it's like a breaking point for me where i'm like i'm no longer consider myself invested in the mcu i after like whatever it's been 15 years of being super excited for every marvel project that comes along and it's all of a sudden I'm just like, I guess it's not for me anymore. That's that's where I'm at. So you're not going to see Black Panther next month? I don't know. We'll see. I'm not saying I'll never watch another Marvel movie, but we're not there yet. But I'm I, I'm not excited the way I thought I would be. Right. Like, see, I'm, I'm, I'm not that I'm not that hardcore on it. I just think yeah. that the ending wasn't done as well as it could have been. And my only problem with that is that every time I say that, somebody gives me a hard time about it. And everybody can go fuck themselves. I'm well, allowed to not like something. Yeah, you still do that thing where you listen to what other people have to say. I, uh, yeah. It, like, it was so bad that I almost turned it off. And I, if you remember, Brian, you told me not to. And then... I was like, okay, so maybe he's telling me that because it's going to pay off in the end. And then it, it absolutely does not. So we'll see what you watch, Brian. <laughs> uh, the only other thing I watched was Halloween ends. All right. And it I will be sucks. It. Yeah, that's reassuring because I already have plans to see it before we record next. So, yeah. <laughs> um, I don't, I, this whole new trilogy hasn't been good for me. I don't really, I, I don't know what to tell you. Like, it, talk about dropping the ball when it comes to rebooting a franchise and making them, first of all, making the mistake of telling everyone that you're going back to the original and then not even remotely attempting to do that. And then literally mocking the sequels in your movie while at the same time borrowing ideas from them. And I don't know, like that 2018 film was okay. And then I just, I'm assuming I'm going to hate Ed's. Like, I'm, I'm like hate watching it at this point. I, like, I, I feel obligated to see it, but I'm not anticipating enjoying it. So I'm assuming um, he's super druid wizard, Michael Myers fighting uh, God, Laurie Strode. 
Uh, you'll have to watch and find out. Um, can I tell you like the beginning of the movie that doesn't spoil anything at all? Doesn't even touch on Michael Myers whatsoever. Sure. Um, so you know how in 2018, uh, Lori, you know, when Michael was securely locked up in a mental hospital, then Lori was been paranoid and built an entire house into a trap to defend herself. And yeah, was so into it that she ruined her relationship with her daughter and the rest of her family. Uh, and was like a survivalist and super paranoid about, you know, he's going to break out one day and I have to be ready. So then do you remember, which I guess spoiler for Halloween kills, how at the end of Halloween kills, he kills Lori's daughter and then disappears into the night. Yeah. Uh, so four years go by, he's never found. And at the beginning of this movie, Lori and her granddaughter have completely moved on. They're both happy now. They're good. They, uh, Lori's writing a book about what happened to her. Happy with her life. They bought they bought a house in, in town. They have not turned into a death trap. Um, you know, well, just, listen, if there's one thing that will help you get over your paranoia, it's the person you're scared of murdering your child. Everyone knows that, Brian. And is never caught. Well, it's yeah, obviously he's yeah. caught. It would change everything. She, right. yeah, she has no reluctance whatsoever to move on with her life and get over it at the beginning of this movie. Um, you do see that, that, that cop guy that she was talking to at the end of the last movie. Yeah. But for some reason they act like they haven't seen each other since that night, even though they both live in Haddonfield and I'm sure would have reached out to each other. Mm-hmm. Yeah. That's where we start. I'm just like, wow, you, you, you basically not pay attention to what your last movie was about at all. Did you? All right. Yeah. Not good. See, that's the thing is they knew they were making a trilogy when they did this. Yeah. Why this does it not surprise. feel? Why, why do these films not feel connected? I don't know. Cause I like, that's the same complaint. I had that complaint with the other ones too, like between the, the first one and the, Second one yeah. so that they don't feel like one doesn't logically flow from the other. That's supposed to be the whole point. Yeah. At least they're telling the story of the same night. There's at least that, even though Lori's now in a hospital and it's just like, yeah, well I'm in a hospital. What are you going to do? Again, the fact that like they wanted like Tommy to be effectively the main character in the second movie and they didn't bring him up in the first movie. <laughs> Uh, his his name not even mentioned in this movie. There's no like, hey, remember how Tommy died four years ago? Nothing. All right. Yeah. Again, if if somebody told me, oh yeah, they the the guys that did the last two left and they brought in someone new, and he didn't watch the last two movies, they just they just decided to make a new one. Like I would be like, oh yeah, that makes sense. Like I believe that. It's so weird. All right. The only thing I could think of is that David Gordon Green and Danny McBride were like, oh, shit, that's right. We agreed to do the third movie. Well, let's just let's just do it. And then we'll move on to the other stuff that we really want to do. Because it really feels like they did not give a shit whatsoever. So enjoy yourself, Doug. Yeah, I'm, I'm really I'm really not going to. Am I? <laughs> All right. <sighs> Maybe I can find something else to do that night. And you're going to go see it. 
You're going to tell us you didn't like it? What if I like it just to piss you off? Oh, that'd be great. Do it. <laughs> Do it. I don't know if I can make there's it. Lots, there's lots of people on my Facebook that really like it. And I, I'm just like, all right, I guess from a filmmaking perspective, I feel like the, the whole trilogy is a giant mess, but sure. Yeah. Yeah, I don't. I don't understand why, if you know you're making a trilogy, it's not a trilogy. Yeah. Why it wasn't super planned out like it should have been. Yeah. Or at least consistent, even if it's not entirely planned out. Like, yeah. I don't know. I feel like they did the first one and then had no idea where they were going and just tried to figure it out. Yeah, because even like the first one, it's like like they, they, they never really get into why is Michael Myers chasing Lori in that first one. And then the, sec- is it the second one is when is that when they reveal that he wasn't basically he was just trying to go to his home. Yeah, sort of. I'm trying to remember, like it's like because yeah. uh, they because they reconned that she was not his brother or not his sister. Yeah, in the 2018 one. Yeah, because yeah. it's, it's then it's yeah, a, kills. They insinuate she just kind of she showed up to drop that key off and kind of. Yeah, which is I think what. I think that's what it says in the first movie. It doesn't say it, but I think that's the implication of what goes on in that first movie is that yeah. it's just bad luck. Which is one of the things that's great about that first movie, and that's why so many people get upset with the twist in part two. Yeah. But I don't know. You'll have to let me know what you think. Yeah, I'm not going to like it, am I? I mean, I don't know. <laughs> I don't See. think you do, though. No. You might like it. I don't know. Like I said, there are people on my on my friends list that love it. And... It seems to be very divisive. I've been trying not to read too much about it because I'm like, I'll read like the individual comments. I'll read like the I liked it or I didn't like it part of the comments, but I try not to get into the details because I don't want it spoiled for me. But I, yeah, I, it's difficult to imagine a world where i enjoy this movie <laughs> and yet i'm gonna pay money to see it in theaters i saw it for free and i feel like i still got ripped off i don't know if i can even i don't think i can get it for free up here use a vpn to log into someone's peacock and watch it seems like a lot of work <laughs> starting to seem like it's you know, it's only whatever 15 bucks do it to a movie you should go see a movie you really want to see and then Sneak over to the theater after your movie's over. Just try to. That one. I wonder if you can still get away with that in today's world because with all the assigned seating and everything. Oh, see, the only assigned seating we have is for our IMAX theater. Oh. Up here, even like our little indie theater has assigned seating. Yeah. Oh, really? Yeah. The one we went to for Monster Squad was assigned seating up till apparently a couple months ago. I went to something about six months ago, and it was still like assigned seating. And I was hanging outside waiting for uh, everybody else. And I texted them. And they're like, oh, we're inside. I'm like, shit, what seats are you in? And they're like, I don't know. Just come in. No. Shit, it's not a sign seat. Yeah, the, um, we've got both in Springfield. The IMAX at the big theater is assigned and the rest of it isn't. But then the other theater is all assigned. I think our indie theater just went to it during COVID and just kept it. And everybody else just was already switched over to it before that. So. Yeah. Here's a brief glimpse of some of the truly fine pictures we've scheduled in the near future. So, did we decide are we doing new movies next week, or are we doing another Dracula Frankenstein movie? I don't know. Who was in charge of deciding that? I don't know. Nobody. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I vote meth movies. 
Okay, define, what are math movies? Define math movies and then maybe that'll affect our other it's decisions. A, they're on they're on the list. Two thousand and two a meth odyssey. Spun it's, and uh the Sultan Sea. It's like where the fuck is that? It's in uh, the new ones. Now I see what you're talking about. All right. For some What's reason I, I don't care. When the when will that it'll that'll be November when that gets released? Yeah. So it's socially acceptable to not be doing horror films. Yeah. All right. Meth week it is. <laughs> we are exactly as excited as you're supposed to be to talk about meth. <laughs> like... Everybody's everybody's homework is going to be to do some independent research on meth. Yeah. So go down and buy some from your local dealer. Give it a shot. Okay, let's not recommend that to people. <laughs> seen Spawn. Spawn's kind of fucked up. Uh, I've not seen the Salton Sea, so. I'm the same way, Sa- but it's Salt Salton so Sea is definitely the better of the two. Yeah, yeah, I haven't, uh, I haven't seen Spun in so long that I can't even comment on it. I have never seen Salt and Sea. I don't even know what that is. Uh, I highly recommend just kind of going into a blind. All right, I'll tell you, it's got Val Kilmer and Vincent D'Onofrio in it. Right. I remember you talking about it previously, and yeah, I do still have Spun on DVD. I don't remember if I got rid of it. <laughs> so or not. You've been checking. Yeah, I don't remember if I got rid of it or not. So Meth Week. Yeah. Yeah. Lock some of your teeth out and then come uh, come listen to the show. That's good advice for every week. Get gacked. Organize a sock drawer. All right. Noah, are you sticking around for our Clerks 3 discussion? Fuck no. Right. <laughs> Deuce, deuces, bitches. <laughs> Bye, Noah. All right. We'll talk to you next right. week. Finally. God, he's gone. gone. Can we change the programming for next week and then just, <laughs> just, just not tell him? <laughs> just. He shows up ready to talk about Spun in the Salton Sea, and we're like, oh, we changed our minds. You should have listened to the show. You said you listen when you're not on it. So technically, you were obligated to listen to the last part of the show. Obligated to listen to the show that was going to be spoiled that you didn't want to listen to. <laughs> All right. So, spoiler discussion about Clerks 3. Again, weirdly, this is a movie that can be spoiled, which I thought was weird when I saw it. Yeah, I did. When I heard the plot line of it and which like the basic plot line of it, and then I in my head, I'm thinking this is a sequel to Clerks, too. So. Other than how are they going to get Rosario Dawson to show up long enough to film a movie? I didn't really have any follow up questions. I didn't ex- anticipate much more plot than that. Yeah, but it turns out a lot more going on. Yeah, turns out you just kill her off between movies and you don't have to worry about. It. Yeah. Which I was like, what? And I was really disappointed with, especially having killed her off while she was still pregnant. It. Yeah. So in in the Q&A after the movie, when Kevin was asked about that, he did say, like, every version of the Clerks 3 script that's existed from, like, the first insane version that, like, Jeff Anderson refused to make all the way up to this newest version. She was always dead in between movies and it's basically just because he's realistic enough to know they're not getting her Zero Dawson at this point she's like getting her own Star Wars TV show that it's not a case of her not wanting to do it as much as it's just how do you get her to show up for three weeks or four weeks you know well, I would say See, there's a, there's a way that she's like at her mom's house or something for whatever plot reason 
And then you do the same as he did for this movie. You get her in, put her in three different outfits and have her talk on the cell phone. Yeah. Which is not, you know, super great. I feel like that would have felt cheap, though. Like that would have felt like the whole movie. You'd be thinking, oh, they couldn't get Rosario Dawson to come in, (laughs) you know. But I would have been less sad about it. Yeah. When they get around to telling the story of her, like, because at first we just see the rest in peace thing. And I'm almost anticipating like, you know, Randall drops something on her head or something. And it's going to be a funny story when it comes out. And when they finally tell the story about the drunk driver hitting her, I'm just like, motherfucker, like the way it's done. I was because I liked that character, man. And yeah, I'm just like, awesome. and I, I did like the way they used her. I liked having her show up as like effectively at the clerk's version of a force ghost and uh, talk to talk to uh, Dante. And especially at the end, I guess that's the big spoiler. When he dies, the way that her like spirit or you want to call it his like manufactured version of her in his brain or whatever, however you want to view it, is that the way she guides him to the afterlife is just like really touching. And you're like, my, these actors play really well off each other. And she's so good. She's just this like calming voice to him as he's dying. And you're just like, that's, they fucking nailed it. In my opinion, again, probably kind of weird and stuff. If you're not, you know, you don't have clerks too memorized and you don't remember everything that these guys said to each other previously. And you don't care about that character passing away at the end of his third movie. But it's it's just it's in my view really well done for those of us that the film was made for. Um yeah, so Dante dies after Randall almost dies. Yeah. Which I was also disappointed with. Um I feel like it was just like the same thing, like twice in a row. It's different but, same movie. Because she she calls him out. The doctor set calls him out on it eh, in the movie. Oh, yeah, totally. Literally says, like, you're going to have a heart attack, too. You should get yourself checked. And he doesn't. And then he gets the heart attack and he doesn't make it. But it's just weird. Like, oh, everybody, everybody in this movie is having a heart attack. Yeah, just the two. And I know it's because he just had a heart attack. So I'm sure yeah. Yeah, it's all very much. Yeah, he from his mind. He very much explained that. He know he, like in his world, in Kevin Smith's world, there's been two heart attacks. So Randall has the Kevin Smith heart attack where you get saved and you have this epitome and you go and start doing the things you want to do with your life. And Dante's heart attack is the heart attack that Kevin's father had where you're living your life and all of a sudden you're just not. You just collapse one day and you're gone. And... He's like, those are the two heart attacks I know about. So it just made sense to have each character experience one of the two. And you're like, holy shit. Like when you say it like that, it, you're like, yeah. it, it, it really, it makes you think about the fact that like, especially because like these characters aren't much older than us, like, you know, um, and the idea that like, yeah, like we're getting to that age where it's very plausible that one day somebody we know is just you're just going to get a call like it's it's not something you want to think about every day but it is something that you're going to have to confront eventually yeah yeah friend of mine right now is dealing that i went to high school with he's dealing with he's got throat cancer yeah and so yeah i've been dealing with that whole like oh shit like people i know are going to start having issues like this 
yeah like it's it's probably not always going to turn out to be a good ending either no and like like you say with with the heart attack situation specifically it's like you don't you don't know like i i don't know i'm not nothing approaching a cardiologist but it is like there are people who have heart attacks and go on and live the rest of their lives just fine and there are people who have heart attacks and don't get up and i don't think you know while it's happening which one you are like it's just wait and see kind of thing yeah so that brings me to part of the problem that I sort of have with it. And this okay. sounds like I'm I'm just getting all the negative stuff out of the way because I do want to talk about all sure. the stuff that I loved, like at the end of it. No, um, it's absolutely fine to criticize a movie. That's kind of the point of having these conversations. Um, so like thematically, Horse Ghost Rosario keeps telling Dante this whole time that he needs to move on. He needs to move on with his life. You know, he's still upset about her being gone, but she's like, you need to move on. You need to be happy. And then he he doesn't. He dies of a heart attack. So yeah. never like never fulfills any sort of like character arc other than dying of a heart attack. The yeah, my pushback on that would be that's the message, right? He should have moved on. He should have lived his life. And then all of a sudden life's gone and he never, he never got the opportunity that Randall got to learn that lesson. Sure. I guess. But then on the flip side of it, I feel like Randall hasn't learned anything either. Um, he spends the whole movie being kind of a dick to Dante. And the lesson he supposedly learns is like, Oh no, I was making this movie about you because you're my best friend and I love you. And then he dies. And then he's just like, Oh, Elias, now you're my best friend. And then he still treats him like shit. Well, it's like five minutes of the movie. So I would agree with you that a criticism I have of the movie is the whole time that they're actually making the movie, which is technically the plot of this film is that they're making clerks. Um, while they're doing that, I found I could see because I've watched a million movies in my life. I'm like, these two are going to come to a conflict at some point because that's, what's going to happen here. He's the producer. He's the director. They're going to get mad at each other. But I didn't think it was necessarily shown well enough that Dante was getting frustrated with Randall's behavior and that Randall was constantly taking advantage of him. And they sort of used that shorthand of Dante borrowing the money as like a, a way that they could just, well, once he realizes that, that's like the big moment. Whereas it, it would have been better if they had been gradually, you know, so that when he finally snaps, it's where they finally come to a head. If that makes sense. Yeah. So yeah, I, I, agree. I agree with that. So that's, and I think the other thing is the movie is a little disjointed in that you have the deep emotional scenes and then you have the big slapstick comedy scenes and they don't I don't there's not that kind of blending in between the two so what you're saying about how like well we go through this whole emotional moment of Dante passing away and then it's just the joke from clerks too of like oh when he's gone you'll be my best friend and it's like well that yeah that joke is not hitting quite right because it feels dismissive of the character that we just said goodbye to yeah that having been said, it's still pretty funny that he's just like, 
the, the call back to clerks too of like, I told you when he leaves, you're going to be my friend. It's like, oh yeah, he did say that, didn't he? Right after they talked about pussy trolls. Uh, but yeah, but then like, yeah, so then Rand, but then Randall doesn't learn anything. So he's just in the same spot that he was like, he's I mean, not going to have a heart attack yeah. right away, I guess. He, well, I, I think he learned to try to do things instead of always be preparing to do things, which is the line of dialogue he gives in Clerks 2. He says something to the effect of, like, everything I'm doing is building towards something. I don't know what, but it sure is. And it's like he's learned the lesson that you actually have to do it and not just constantly be building towards something. And then I think we're supposed to also understand that he now appreciates Dante in a level that he didn't used to, but we don't really get him a chance to, other than that final moment where he presents the fin- the finished film to him, we don't really get that chance to appreciate that, I guess. Yeah, I had heard somewhere that originally there was going to be a voiceover at the end where Kevin Smith as the narrator would talk about Dante, or not Dante, that Randall yeah. went on to like win a bunch of filmmaking awards became a filmmaker and lived to be like 96 or you know whatever something yeah there definitely was going to be some kind of voiceover yeah that's that's factual exactly what it was going to say i don't know yeah Yeah. so because of that we just don't ever learn it's like that i mean i don't think i would be happy with the voiceover either no but at least we learn that like randall learned his lesson but they just didn't show us that he learned his lesson, which is kind of a bummer. Yeah. Um, it's, yeah. yeah. It's hard because it's like, with Dante dying, obviously this is the end of Clerks. There's no Clerks 4 coming. So we're not going to get to see what Randall does next. But that's sort of what we want to know, is what does he do with this information? I'm assuming that this means no Clerks 4. I would assume so, considering he had to like move the planets just to get Jeff Anderson to come do this movie. Yeah. After he well, turned, turned down multiple versions of this movie. In the interest of fairness, Kevin Smith discussed what the um, original Clerks 3 script was like. And Jeff Anderson was right. They shouldn't have made that movie. It had some fun ideas in it, but it also was insane and not like it involved the climax of the movie was at like uh, a mass shooting in a movie theater where all the characters were there like that was that was the whole climax of the movie was that that's not like that's not what you want no there there wasn't an interesting idea which was i forget exactly how it happened but where randall felt responsible for Becky's death and he had a um he had like a nervous breakdown so then he's at the movies and sees an advertisement for this movie that's coming out in like a year and just goes outside and stands in line even though there's no lineup for a movie because it doesn't open for a year (laughs) and when somebody asks him like what he's doing there he just goes I got nothing better to fucking do and somehow that becomes like a philosophy where other people start joining his line because they have nothing better to do. So then by the end of it, there's a whole community of people like living in the parking lot outside this movie theater with Randall as their de facto leader, which is a pretty funny concept. But yeah, I mean, the, all the other details with the 
the shooting and the whatever else was just not something that belongs in a clerk's movie. Yeah. It's a little too uh drunk driver was almost too real. That yeah. shooting way too real. Yeah, and that's I mean that's that's see that's it's so hard for me to connect to some of that stuff because it's such an some of these are real American issues. Obviously, drunk driving is a global issue, but like mass shootings are such an American thing that it's like even just being an hour from the border, I'm like, I have trouble imagining what it would be like for you guys to see that in a movie because it must be so different. Yeah, it would not be. I mean, I've never been in a mass shooting Thank, Thank God. Um, yeah, I don't imagine it would make me comfortable. Watching it, no, it, I don't, it feels like it would go wrong too. It feels like somewhere a mass shooting would happen during it. I don't know. Yeah, yeah, it would be terrible. It's 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 good that it didn't get made. It's it's very good that it didn't. Uh, the stuff I did love though, um, them remaking Clerks, and I so love fun. I love that he that he actually brought back like the local actors that he used. Yeah, in Clerks. To portray their characters again. That was fun. I like that a lot. <laughs> Much like all the old people. Yeah, the fucking Chulies guy shows up, which is great. Yep. Um, uh, I like the Chulies guy turns out to be a method actor. <laughs> he pulls a real <laughs> human organ out of his bag, and they're like, what happened to the prop long we got you? And he's like, I'm not using a prop. I'm a method actor, son. <laughs> he's like, and then it, what, isn't it like it's like a spleen or something that he puts on the counter? And he's like, because I'm such a good actor, I can pretend it's a lung. <laughs> <laughs> I get some real laugh out loud moments out of those. Yeah, that was good. Fucking uh, Death Star construction guy shows up again. Yep. Um. Uh, Marilyn, G- what's her face? Uh, uh, what the fuck was her name in the first movie? Dante's girlfriend. Veronica. Veronica. For some reason, that sounded wrong in my head. Um, she shows up again. Yep. I like that they. The one girl has passed away, I think, and they didn't recast her, which I thought was a nice. Yeah. Again, you're making movies for a very specific audience of Kevin Smith fans who know that this girl who is like in Clerks and nothing else has passed away. So you choose not to recast her because, you know, the audience yeah. would appreciate that. Yeah. And they, uh, they gave her a nice little memorial in the credits. Yeah. Over. Um, yeah. So them redoing a bunch of Clerks stuff, which I, th- I thought was great. It's it pretty fun. And I don't know if you noticed I'm sure you probably did. Nobody else I was with noticed because they're not giant nerds like I am. Uh, when they reshoot the scene where he's telling Veronica what happened in the video store. Yeah. Uh, if you'll notice, he has like heavy eye makeup and stuff on. Which did you even do you even know what that's from? No, I probably do once you say it, but. All right, on the uh, the big documentary they made about Clerks on the Clerk Clerks X DVD, yeah, they talk about how they had uh, a makeup person for the first like couple days of the shoot, and then she just stopped showing up, so they stopped <laughs> using makeup throughout the rest of the movie. And he said about the only scene that you can tell that Jeff is wearing makeup is the scene where he's telling her uh, about Dante leaving her for Caitlin in the video store. 
And if you look at it, he is like fucking raccoon eyes. Like he's got so much fucking eyeliner on and shit. <laughs> so when they reshot that, they did have him put more eyeliner on. So it's very that's apparent. fun. And I was like, that's fucking hilarious. That's really fun. <laughs> I don't think I knew that, though. Yeah. I like that. So, they Like, because famously, like Muse refused to like dance in front of people. So they re- reused that. I thought oh, yeah. that was really funny because that's like it's like that again. It's this weird inside joke where it's like you don't you wouldn't know about that if you'd only seen Clerks. You have to have like listened to the DVD commentary and shit to know that. But <laughs> but I have. So <laughs> exactly. So. Did you notice Muse's face? Not really. I can't tell if he because he, he had his teeth redone years ago. Because all the years of doing crack and yeah. whatever else, like stuff. We'll, we'll talk about that next week. <laughs> yeah, all that shit fucked, fucked up the roof of his mouth, so he had to have his his the entire palate of his mouth like rebuilt, and yeah. his teeth redone, which is why he's looked a lot different since about uh, Jay and Silent Bob Strike Back Forward. Um, I can't tell if he's had them done again because he looks different than the different that he's looked for the past like decade or if they gave him a weird mouth appliance to make him look more like jay was in the clerks movie i can't yeah, tell I which know. one it is like it's so hard because it's it, i don't it feels like um i don't know it feels like everybody's just so much older that like i feel like if i start judging their looks that i'm just being a dick <laughs> and i'm like then i'd have to get a 1994 picture of me and hold it up and see how much i've aged and i don't want to do that so <laughs> Yeah, his I just know because he's talked before about having to have his mouth. Yeah, no, I, I, stuff. So. Yeah, and I've I've heard him talk about that stuff, and and there is definitely you can see the difference in in his face, but yeah. I just try not to pay too much attention to it. I do I did like, like it. watching them like the old versions of all the people putting on their old oh, 1994 outfits. <laughs> I enjoyed that quite a bit. The fact that I was sitting there dressed probably wearing exactly what I would have worn in 1994. <laughs> uh, I like I like that Jay and Silent Bob finally opened a legitimate like weed store since weed is legal in Jersey <laughs> now. But they still stand outside and make people pay them like cash to hand. It's like they don't know it's legal. <laughs> that was so fun. Oh my god, that was such a blast. I, I, I just... When that guy comes out of the store and he's like, is anybody working? And they like call him over and they're like doing it. And it's like, <laughs> oh, he's like, you know, it's legal now. He's like, this is how we did it in the 90s, son. <laughs> <laughs> it's, but like the idea that those two of all the characters would still just be trying to live their life exactly like it was before, because they have no idea that things have gone on around them, <laughs> even though they've been to Hollywood twice at this point. <laughs> like, uh. How'd you feel about the uh, audition cameos? It was fun. I yeah, mean, it was, was fun time. like, again, it's all it's like, hey, look, it's all the people that have been Kevin Smith stuff over the years just showing up. Yeah. It's like, now it's publicly known that they're connected to the Impractical Jokers. So we can have those guys in it. <laughs> it's like, all right. Yeah. It's but again, like it's it's really fun inside jokes. Yeah, I kind of wish they'd let Ralph Garman do more and just had him do it in a bunch of different voices. Just have him like <laughs> like, every, like every third one is him doing different voices. 
<laughs> I missed them when they did that weekly show. Oh, Hollywood Babylon? Yeah. I really enjoyed that for a long time. Still do it. It just, but yeah, it does, it's not right because it pops up once in a while and you're like, I need it to be every week. Yeah. Reliably, kinda, like Monday morning kind of thing. He's kind of that way with all of his podcasts now, unfortunately. Yeah, that's just how it is. We, apparently, he's letting making movies get in the way of his podcasting career all of a sudden. It's like, do you remember where you came from? Jeez. <laughs> Yeah, he brought back uh, Film School Fridays for a while, which I was really excited about. Um, and it was kind of a new one where he had two like younger guys working for him for ever his basically a lot of his like internet shit that he does now. Yeah. Um, and they would see like newer release movies, or they would pick like a classic movie, and they would just talk about it. And I thought that was a lot of fun. But then that just eventually. After like four episodes, like stopped happening. Yeah. Yeah, it just. I mean, I, the guy gets to make He-Man stuff and go back and remake like, you know, Clerks. Why wouldn't you if you had the choice between the two things to do? But yeah, he um, he's talked about he's got a lot of shit going on. Yeah. So he, so he just bought that movie theater from his hometown. Yeah. And uh Apparently he wrote a movie just to film in there because he's like, I, I'm going to own a theater. I'm going to make a movie that takes place in the movie theater. It's, there's so much that he said he's going to do. It's like, I better live to be a, a ripe old age. <laughs> it's so funny, too, because when you think back to like when Cop Out came out and it's like he's on the record saying, like, look, I don't I want to have this like long career and make all these movies. And I just can't keep coming up with original ideas and writing new scripts for these same characters and stuff. He's like, I gotta like branch out and be figure out how to direct other people's stuff. And now it's like the opposite. It's like, fuck it. He's got too many of his own ideas. He's never going to be able to do anything else. (laughs) And yet somehow he's still like directing TV shows and which apparently is very easy. And, you know, making cartoons for Netflix. So, uh, what did we think of Elias going from Bible school kid to Satanist throughout the movie? Like, it's fun. It's really obvious joke, right? <laughs> but course. I love that every time they put him on camera, he was wearing like a different version of the Satanist outfit, like <laughs> Satanist <laughs> through the years kind of thing. <laughs> like goth kids from the seventies up through to the modern times. Yeah, that was that was a really fun part of it. I liked that a lot. And then, like, I don't know. And then, yeah, the performance is great because, like, that character's again. All these characters are like they're written for these guys at this point, so you get really good performances out of them, and it's really funny. I liked him having his own Silent Bob, <laughs> <laughs> which uh, that guy is apparently his daughter's long time boyfriend yeah yeah he's been he's been like trying to get into the entertainment industry and i, I don't think he's had that much luck yeah, yeah there was, was some he... like was it usa i don't know there's some cable channel that was having like a like during lockdown they're having some almost like competition show where people would make like a 10 minute yep. pi- pilot or whatever and then it would go every week and people would vote off whichever ones that together yeah he did like a reality show about being locked down in the Smith household. Yeah. It was actually pretty funny, but I never watched it. Again, it's like, it's, I, I'm not qualified to really comment on Kevin Smith stuff because 
I'm just such an apologist <laughs> for it. So <laughs> it's like, because even like the other members of his family, like I, I get excited when I see them and shit. I see his daughter and stuff, and I'm like, oh yeah, cool, she's in that. Because it's like it feels like you're seeing your friend's daughter in something <laughs> now. Oh yeah. Oh yeah. I've read some of his books that he's put out. Yeah. Like one book was just like a collection of like the shit that he used to post on his blog all the time. They just collected yeah. it. And it read like, oh, yeah, this is almost like a biography from like this point to this point. So I feel like, yeah, like I know like everybody in his family because that's all he fucking talked about. Yeah. So it is exciting when you see her pop up. And I thought it was cute at the end of Clerks 3 2 where they had her doing the, the milkmaid thing, which famously yeah. was his mom doing it in the first movie. So she's the new milkmaid. I like so, that. So the same Eggman, though. Yep. <laughs> Fucking Walt Flanagan. Yeah. It really goes to show how much bullshit the whole entertainment industry is though. Cause it's just Kevin Smith is like, he gets famous and then he's just like, I have friends that are funny and now they're all famous. I'm like, <laughs> well, playing again. Like that guy was not a guy who had any interest in anything. And then all of a sudden oh. he's like, he's been able to like, he had like a TV show for seven years or some shit. It's like, what? You, uh, Without- subs- subscribe to the tell him Steve Dave Patreon. They have a podcast where they're going back over each episode of that show. Yeah. But they're telling like all the stuff that really happened behind the scenes because there was a lot of like. Well, I know some of it's come out in the, with um, some of the studio involvement that was real problematic. Oh, yeah. yeah. <laughs> they just got past that section. They were not uh, very candid. They were not. They were not. Uh, they didn't shy away from talking about it. Yeah, they were. Much they hated it. Because they've even they've they even said some shit back when the show was still on the air about it, <laughs> and you're like, oh, I don't know if you should be saying it until your show gets canceled. So I can imagine how they talk now. Yeah, they're like, yeah, they just tell them all the shit that they wanted them to do, and they're like, we're not doing that. You have to. He's like, oh yeah, they just fucking walked off. <laughs> called Kevin up. This is bullshit. Well, that's the thing is, like, you'd think trying to tell those guys what to do, it's like, you know, they're just going to call the guy that started the show, right? Like, they're his buddies. That's how they got this job. (laughs) Like, do you think he he started a TV show and put all his friends in it? But then when they call and complain, he's not going to take their call. Like, what do you think is going to (laughs) happen? But fucking Hollywood, man. Yeah, I was excited to see Walt back doing the Eggman. They actually expanded it. They gave it a new weird egg stuff to do. Yeah, the taking <laughs> pictures of it was pretty funny. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. he got to mutter his one line from the first movie. You highly offended me. <laughs> uh, uh, what else was there? Well, there was everything. The hockey on the roof. The that was there. That was the opening sequence. That's where all the cameos were. Like, yeah. oh, look, it's all these people that I know are friends with them. Yep. Yeah. So overall, I'd say if you're a Kevin Smith fan, it's definitely a movie for you. Yeah, it's like, like uh, he he made a movie for those of us who just want to know what our old friends are up to and le- learn a little bit from them and, you know, watch them learn some things. And that's, that's what we got. It's not again, I I'm so hesitant to recommend anything Kevin Smith related anymore because I'm like, I. I don't know how you would watch Clerks 3 if you haven't seen Clerks 1 and 2 
Yeah. A lot. Pointless. Like, not, like, not, like, not, oh, I saw Clerks when it was new, and then I saw Clerks 2 in theaters. Oh, they made a third one? Maybe I'll check it out. No. Like, <laughs> you know, I've seen each of those movies 25 times, and they're, I'm still missing shit, apparently, because I didn't notice, but didn't know about this makeup thing. So... <laughs> It's like you have to have probably listen to the DVD commentary on all of the original Viewersku movies before you're qualified to watch this movie. But if you're one of us, I think it's the, the movie speaks for itself. Oh. It's let's just talk about that shit for for a second. You remember what it was like a new Kevin Smith movie would come out on DVD and you would buy it, and the first thing you would do is turn on the commentary and just watch that. Yep. Oh my god, I loved it. Oh, like so they great. Were, and it, it just it because it, it, it was and it felt like just a group of friends just fucking hanging out, watching a movie that they were in. Yeah. But like our muse was like, I think it was like, I want to say it was the chasing Amy one where muse was just like he was using it at the time. So he like passed out in the middle of it and they're all just like working around him. It didn't he like crawl didn't Kevin like crawl under the table to put the microphone up next to his mouth because he was snoring. Something like that. Yeah. yeah. And they all like it's hilarious because they would all pick on Ben Affleck for being like <laughs> the handsome, successful one. And it's, it's so like it's so what a group of fr- a guy friends would do is like make fun of the guy oh, yeah. for being like, oh, women like you and you're making tons more money than the rest of us. What a loser. <laughs> only a group of guy friends would do that with Buster Balls. But absolutely they would. Like that's just that's what we are as a species when it comes to men like fucking mall rats commentary yeah they're making fun of him about shit yeah. he's trying he's trying to tell like a real story and then they basically start talking over him and he's like god forbid i finish a story i might miss a joke about walt flanagan's dog or something <laughs> <sighs> yeah it's uh it's it was so much fun back then and it was just like i, I remember like i'd have people over and you'd put on the commentary and it it almost felt like you were part of the conversation and it was such a unique time because it was just this window where they figured out how to do that kind of stuff, but there wasn't streaming and shit yet. So you would buy a DVD and you'd bring it home and you'd, you'd watch it and then you'd go back the next day and be like, well, I don't have anything else to do now. So I'm going to watch with the commentary track and I'm going to watch the behind the scenes features. Like, I don't, I don't know if that works anymore. You know what I mean? It doesn't. Because you just, first of all, I don't think anybody's putting the effort into it that they did back then. But oh. the reason they're not is because if you're streaming the thing on Netflix or whatever, you're not going to fucking go back and rewatch it with the yeah. with the commentary or something. It's, it's uh, I'm, sure, I'm sure the technology exists to have it be there and you can switch the, the audio stream, but nobody's going to do it because there's just so much available at your fingertips now. Yeah. And even me who does like all that stuff, sometimes I have to be like, oh, that's right. I haven't watched all the special features on this yet. Yeah. And, and then I still don't get around to it because I'm doing something else. It's yeah, there's there's so much to watch. Like. Yeah. I lost my Amazon Prime this month and I, I don't even really care because I still have access to so many movies. <laughs> If I could go back and tell my 16 year old self, like someday you're going to have access to every movie in the world and you're not going to want to watch any of them because there's too many choices. You don't know what to pick. Oh my God. His brain would have exploded. I was like, 
because like when I tried to cancel my shutter after my free week, they're like, how about a free month? So you don't cancel. And I'm like, all right, I'll take a free month. So I was going through and like adding stuff to my watch list because now I've got a month to get through it all. And I was just thinking to myself, try to explain to someone that the entire horror shelf at the video store is just at the push of a button, like telling me that I remember like going to and like reorganizing the horror shelf at my local video store because I didn't like the way they kept it. So I'm like, and I'm like, I'm the one that uses this fucking thing. It should be done the way I want. And I'd go back a week later and nobody had fixed it because they're just like, whatever. It's just that same fucking guy coming in once a week and movies. It's like, Oh, look, he has a friend with him this week. It's a big week. Like, <laughs> yeah. yeah, I don't even think because I have Jay and Bob reboot on Blu-ray. But I don't even think like Kevin Smith still puts all that effort in. Probably not. And if he does do a commentary, I'm sure he would just do it through one of his podcasts. Yeah. Like, which yeah. would actually be the way to do it. Yeah, it says cast interviews, Kevin and Jay interview, cast and crew, bloopers, and hair reel. I don't know what hair reel is. They tend to have now, too, there's, like, it seems like every movie has, like, a documentary crew with them so that they can release a documentary separate from it. It's like, everybody has just documentary crews. How many documentary crews exist in this world? It's like, <laughs> everybody, like, it seems like every, like, politician and every filmmaker and everybody just has their own documentary crew that follows them around. I'm like, how many documentary filmmakers can there be? Like, uh, Clerks 3 is out on digital here. Yeah. It came out last week. Friday or whatever. And I went to look at it, and there's like no special feature. So more than likely, as you said, he's going to release like a separate documentary about the making of Clerks Three. Yeah, I'm sure he will. And um, the Blu-ray will probably have a couple special features on it, but yeah. nothing on digital. Yeah. So good times. Clerks Three was yeah. a lot of fun. I Had a lot of fun out. watching it. Uh, I, yeah, I was surprised how emotional I got watching, which is it's a compliment to a movie when they can get like real emotions out of me. Cause you know, it's just, it's, it's rare. I would say. Yeah. Oh yeah. I had a, I had a nice little, uh, cry to myself during this movie. Even if I didn't agree with some of the thematic and story beats and stuff, it was still just yeah. like, Oh, not Dante. It's yeah. Like when he collapsed and I realized he was having a heart attack and I'm like, they're not going to repeat the Randall storyline with him. Yeah. So does that mean he's going to die? It took like me a minute to go, shit, they're going to kill Dante. Like I was, I was genuinely shocked. Um, and then it was like, like I say, that stuff with Rosario Dawson was so well done. God, she's a good actress. She's going to be like what? a Jedi. Like, I know it's controversial. <laughs> I heard like, because like her first movie was that was it kids that, that, yeah. that came out like in the 90s. And she like wasn't an actress. Like they were just filming that near her house. She's like, all right, I'll try. <laughs> and, then, <laughs> and then she's this good. And you're like, well, that's not fair. <laughs> the people like go to school for this shit. Yeah, what was I just I was listening to something and somebody was to that. Was it Zombieland Double Tap or whatever? Mm hmm. I don't. I don't remember. It's been. I don't. I saw that movie in the theater. I don't remember. I watched it since then, so I don't remember. But 
Apparently, was it Woody Harrelson? Was she his ex-girlfriend or something? Something like that. Break up or whatever. Either way, there they were uh, love interest in the movie. But someone someone said like the most unbelievable thing about that movie is that anybody would ever break up with Rosario Dawson. It's, I was like, right? Yeah, that's the most ridiculous concept ever. Um, all right, so Clerks Three, go see it, especially if you're a Kevin Smith fan. Yeah, if you're still listening at this point, you've had it spoiled for you, but it's still worth it. Please remember to replace the speaker on the post when you leave the theater. And now, folks, it's time to say goodnight. We sincerely appreciate your patronage and hope we've succeeded in bringing you an enjoyable evening of entertainment. Please drive home carefully and come back again soon. Good night.